I mean, what's pro football focus doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. As a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PFL. Do you not understand that they are that way because you're Joe Flacco? And you just like to discredit things that people deserve credit for. That you can't possibly be expected to defend that. Talk about the game, Sam. So who cares about what people think about us? Yeah, I like football, I like football season, all the things that go with it. Welcome into the PFF NFL podcast. Steve Pelizzolo back here with Sam Monson. And we're getting ready to fix your team in five minutes if you're in the NFC North or the NFC West. But first, breaking news yesterday. A lot of NFL news happening yesterday. A lot of important NFL news. They're cramming all the news into two days. Yeah. The great Alejandro Villanueva has retired. The great. Yeah. And uh, we'll, have, um, we'll have a tribute video. Mm-hmm. We have mm-hmm. a tribute to the great Alejandro at the end of the show. You're going to want to stick around for that. If you're on YouTube, you're going to want to stick around. If you're listening on audio, you're going to have to go to YouTube. Or that we'll tweet out as well. We'll yeah, it'll come, through, it'll come through social media yeah. as well. But um, look, I've only poured one out for one person. That's Joe Thomas true. on this show. I mean, about and, the same. Uh, and I did it because of the old studio. There was like a carpet and it was kind of trash. So I just dumped some water. <laughs> Out there. Yeah. I would pour one out for Villanueva, but we're kind of in like a nice studio. There's a lot of electric around. You know. And Ashbrock's back there. He'll the, see yeah. The uh, he'll studio see manager's here. and He'll yeah. come at you with a fork or something from the, so, from the studio. We won't pour one out for him on the show. We'll right. just give him the tribute video. So that happened yesterday. Yeah. He will not be letting any offensive line creep back toward average next year. No, no, no. He's done. He's out of here. And, uh, Eight-year career or something like that. Yeah, it's a good career. Yeah, yeah. Solid career. Wide receiver turns defensive. I mean, end, that's the thing they say, right? When you when OT. you're drafting these guys, ten year starter. That's what you're shooting for. Yeah. I mean, he didn't make it to ten. He almost eight, made it. He almost made it. Eight years. When you consider he was a wide receiver back in the day, that's right. pretty good going. He was. He started his NFL career with the Eagles as a defensive end. Yeah. And look at him, a, a true hero mm. for for tall men and Americans. For tall men. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, I'm on to Morgan Moses. Yeah. Somebody pointed it out yesterday, but I'm on to Morgan Moses. If that okay. guy retires, I'm in trouble. Yeah. Morgan's going to help every offensive line creep back to what average this year. Uh, so um, you had to find my next great player. Okay. I can't believe – I mean, it's going to be weird, the Hall of Fame induction. You, you got Tom Brady. You got Big Ben. You got Villanueva. I mean, they're all going to go in the same year. It's going to be pretty crowded there. Hmm. Yeah. I'm not 100% sure that Ali's going to make the Hall of Fame. Yeah, you're right. I mean, maybe not first ballot, but right. we'll see what happens. Yeah. Anyway, we got a great show today. Uh, we didn't get to remind everybody about the um, the charities. Yeah, well, so we were first, trying to keep it tight because I was ill, still am. Um, but I've reached the point now where okay. I've reached the recovery stage, where along the way your voice drops like three octaves. Yeah, so it's going to be lower today. But it also means I can I can knock out like a mean acapella. You know? Are you going to? I mean, you've you have you want me to break? You've sung on the show. Grace? Yeah, yeah. Do amazing grace, really. Amazing grace. We get a solo game. How sweet That's pretty good. low, right? Yeah. Way lower than it's normally. We'll get you in church this weekend, rocking yeah. it. So, you were about to hit the charity thing, right? We're moving now. We're moving. Oh, yeah? In what the right direction. Let me go check. 
What are you up to? I, I'm just getting the email updates. So not People to are- not to like you know poison the the well here, but look at that 460. Okay, it's better. So mine has it stalled out a little bit. And I want to give people a, a taste of what we can expect, right? So, uh, I bought my, my chief starter jacket thing here, right? So this is what will be, it's part of the outfit. This is not fair. You can't market yourself here. Oh, I can. I gotta, like, that's up. Right. Tyler, here we go, right? This is part of the outfit. But here's the real majesty, right? Because uh, we're going to repurpose the wig that we use for the, uh, the Steve Thing, right now, if you put it on this way, it's a Steve wig, right? Where the the flows down the back here. Sure, yeah. But I've discovered that if you flip it backwards, it's Jackson Mahomes, right? Wow, where it all goes up here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we hit that. All right, I'm donating right, right? now too. I'm going to donate to Sam's cause. Here, look, here, look, here we go. It's perfect. That's impressive. Can you make that? Now we just need face? a chain and then a dance, right? But that's the, that's. That's what we're doing. I here. think we need to fly you to Arrowhead to do this too. This has to be on the field. Yeah, you, you think know, they're like going to be that? Your little blocked off section. Uh, yeah. So anyway, right? I will be dressed like that with a chain, and then I have to learn how to do a TikTok dance. So look, if that doesn't get you donating to to raise money for charity for kids suffering from cancer, I don't All know. Right, what how am I going to outmarket this? Should I, am I allowed to get my the uh, the Heritage House House Manager on to? Uh, I'm not sure you understand Explain the program here, in a minute. Right? No, because that's because we're trying to appeal What you need to do is to, to have people. a video of you like trying to run right now and and illustrate but how tr- farcical that's going to be. But there's two things you're trying to True. I mean, I did the I did the uh, I did the cone on the draft show last year. Day 3. True. Remember that? Yeah, we could pull that up. I mean, we don't the, have uh, it now, but you, we could. I did the shuttle. I did the shuttle. Yeah. That's the kind of thing. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So let's let's fire up the shuttle from you need the to find day a picture three. of you like trying to trying to grab a, a a basketball rim, and then oh, what would my vertical be right now? That's what I'm saying. Oh, my vertical's in the teens. I need to help you market this. That's how you do it. Can you believe my vertical was once 32? No, having seen you try and jump, I can't. And and that was I was using the combine tricks. You learned you, you're supposed to like. You got to retract your scapula for your arm length stuff. I mean, you, there's, there's tricks to it. Yeah. So with tricks, 32. You think that accidentally Aiden Hutchinson did the tricks, and that's why he's got? Well, no, you don't want to do it when they're doing your arm. That's length. what I mean. Do you, you think wanna, he accidentally you, did it you by wanna, mistake? You want to loosen your um, well, that's what your I'm, scapula. Yeah. Did he do it by by mistake? Because an error, he may have. He may have not been properly informed in how you're supposed to control your scapula during uh, arm length versus uh-huh. vertical jump. Um, anyway. I, but I, I'm, I'm trying to appeal to the people tw- two different ways, right? Look at big goofy me doing combine drills and all that yeah. stuff, but also look at the cause and having you know someone explain the cause and how uh-huh. his whole life was changed and you know how we're help, how we're helping people just from personal in, uh, addiction recovery here in Cincinnati. Just from personal experience, I think that the much larger motivating factor is people wanting to see us look like idiots. Yeah, that's probably true. All right, see what we can do. But um, hey, we appreciate a lot, a lot more uh, donations these last couple of days. My um, somebody said leave the uh, talk out the the link, right? What is the, the link? Go to GoFundMe and search PFF NFL podcast. Or Steve. yeah, there's a bunch of different ways. We will try and make sure that it goes into each YouTube description, so you'll find it. It's also always our pinned tweets. Always so our go to Twitter tweet. at PFF underscore Sam or at PFF underscore Steve. It's always the pinned tweet. It's the top tweet on each one of those. So you but can for always people, find it there. For people listening, GoFundMe, P- 
PFF NFL podcast. Steve, just search that. It'll take you right there. Or my pinned tweet. It'll get there as well. Titans are releasing Roger Saffold. Breaking news at the moment. Okay. We'll hit that later. There's going to be a lot of other news we're not going to be able to touch on here. Anyway, again, appreciate everybody for uh, donating and being a part of another big charity drive here in the PFF NFL podcast. We'll get into the uh, to the action here. Our uh, our PR guy David Zolfaro was asking me when we're going to do the the pitching one. He's already he's jacked for that one. He wants he wants it to happen. I think um, I I, can't I appreciate um, I appreciate the uh, University of Cincinnati letting us use the field. I think we should talk to the the Reds. Okay, it's Great American Ball. It's still Great American, right? Great American yeah. Ballpark is uh, unused right now. I can't tell you how insulted I've been by some of the numbers suggested. Somebody was like 42. I could, I could hit 42 from this chair right now. Like 42 is ridiculous. 42 is, the, yeah, I mean, is slower than that guy that I sent you the video of, like in the ball like that. You're over 42 for right. sure. So, okay, look, my, my money's on 60 plus, but the idea that it's 42 is just like yeah. it's an insult. You're between 42 and 59. 42 is an insult not just to me but to my family's heritage, to Irish people in general – to humanity. More perspective. That's what it is. My dad, in his early 60s, horrible baseball player. Um, he was uh, 31 to 38, I yeah. believe, throwing the ball. I mean, when, it first, when they first said it, I wanted to be like, I could throw 42 left-handed. And then I realized that I could probably throw about eight left-handed. I can't throw left-handed at all. So that's not a good one. But I genuinely, like, 42 is ridiculous. Come on. Isn't that why, when, when offensive linemen say it's like, t- uh, when moving from the left side to the right yeah. side, it's like throwing lefty? Not if you're it's, me, it's not. I mean, no, I, it's not for anybody. I, Nobody can like throw. My left, I can't even make the motion. Like three people in the world can throw with both hands. Yeah, three of them. That's I am it. so right-sided on everything. Like when we went to when we were doing the batting practice, right? Like Rick is out there switch hitting. Is that what they call it? Yeah, you flip one to the other, switch in. And he was doing like two right, two left, two right. I can't even. I literally can't even make the motion left side. Yeah. I can't do it. I rake left-handed. Hit hard. I hit the ball well. Oh yeah, yeah, great. Well, great when I'm hitting. pitching sixty. You can go out there as a, as a left-handed batter. So, um, it over the fence. Let's get Solfaro talking to the Reds. The Reds. Right. I want to go to Great American. Because this, this will be cool, too, because you're going to throw the gear on. I still have to pitch to you. Yeah. We can really, like, Steve. I also still I've wanna... never pitched off an NFL, I mean, a, a Major League Baseball mound. Really? Never. Wow. I had an opportunity. So we're not going to go off the rails here. Though I had an opportunity. <laughs> now's the time to reel it back in? In 2002. already gone. In 2002, I had a good little run uh, with UMass Lowell on our way to the College World Series. I got elected to the annual All-Star Game where the Division I stars played the Division II and Three stars. Okay. Always at Fenway Park. But we were stuck at the World Series. We were at the Division II World, the World Series, Series. So I didn't get to go play at Fenway Park. I was too busy getting, getting lit up in the first game of the World Series. Nice. When we do this, own. I also still want to take a shot at catching one of yours barehand. That's what I mean. So you're going to, yeah, you could barehand. Catch it with the glove. But I, I want to take a shot at catching The catch Reds it. could give me my opportunity to finally throw my first pitch true. off an NFL yeah. mound. And wow, won't they be proud when, yeah, they'll be when they see 72 so fire right over the plate. 72 miles an hour more than any other pitch that's being thrown off a major league mound right now. That's all I'm saying. True. Good job, baseball. I mean, we don't know what I'm going to top out at, but it's probably, it's probably less than 72. Dude, what if you're I'll, like? I'll give you that credit. What if you're like low 80s out of nowhere? <laughs> just low 80s. Like, what's the? What what's if you get signed? What's that like, movie with like the kid who just has like a cannon for an arm? Like what rookie if, of the year? Just yeah, yeah. What if rookie I'm that? 
by nobody knew. I always dreamed I it's of being unlikely. the rookie, the just yeah. sitting on my arm for ten years and yeah. all of a sudden throwing a hundred. I mean, eighty-two would be uh-huh. unlikely, but I think the bigger concern for you would be like if I roll out here and just out of nowhere have like seventy in me. That yeah. would be unfortunate. Yeah, that would be yeah. very unfortunate. I mean, I'm uh, like even I, right? Who are at the optimistic end of the scale? Bet on it. I'm saying six, right? If I get sixty, I'm giving you fourteen miles an hour over me, and think I can hit sixty. If it's closer than that, it's a rough day to be to be Steve Palazzolo. Anyway, we appreciate everybody being a part of all of this and uh, the banter. But we're going to get into uh, fixing your team in the NFC North and the NFC West. You ready to go? Yeah. Uh, let's start with, by the way, PFF NFL Daily. Before we start, PFF, PFF NFL Daily today, we got in-depth even more on the Carson Wentz news. Um, I do want to get, because it's, um, it's draft guide season, I do want to uh, do the giveaway again. So email us at nflpodcast at pff.com, nflpodcast at pff.com. Back to the screenshots of PFF NFL Daily and PFF NFL Podcast. If you subscribe to both, send me a screenshot that proves it out. Email it at nflpodcast at pff.com, and I'll pick a lucky winner for a free Edge subscription at pff.com. Screenshot nflpodcast at pff.com, the daily and the current show here, the PFF NFL podcast, and that's it. We've had a lot of people emailing so confident in my inability to hit 60 that they're willing to donate. Yeah, because they have have perspective. Is the NFC West good, that good that you're already talking about baseball? Yeah. That's it. NFC West. Already? Like, They're just loaded. This is what we do up front. Like, we haven't even got to the stuff yet. We haven't gotten to the yeah. fast forward to here for the Must be a new list for the baseball. I mean, for the football. All right, let's go. NFC North. We're starting with the Chicago Bears. How are we going to fix the Chicago Bears? New regime. Uh, we've, it's just it's a, whole new, it's a whole new world. Matt Eberflew's taken over at head coach. Ryan uh, Poles taken over at GM. A lot of work to do with the Bears because, again, my biggest thing is since 2018, they've just gotten worse and worse and worse as a roster. But you have Justin Fields. Yeah. So how are we going to build around Justin Fields? Here you have Justin Fields. So obviously step one, I think, is surround that guy with some talent, right? And it's, it's both receiver and offensive line. Darnell Mooney is basically the only receiver they have. Um, Allen Robinson looks like he's finally hitting free agency, almost certainly going somewhere else. The offensive line needs major uh, overhaul. They've got Tevin Jenkins, who they drafted last year. We haven't really seen much from him yet. Uh, Cody Whitehair is still there. Those are basically the two guys that you can pencil in and be reasonably confident in. Everybody else needs an upgrade. Yeah, so I think, is this another team where you just you focus the team-building efforts on one side of the ball for year one? Yeah. I mean, get, I- get the offensive line, get some playmakers. And, uh, and go from there. Quarterback is too important for you to sort of hedge it. You know, like, supporting cast for a quarterback is everything. But some things are way more important than others, right? This was always the debate um, when it came to, you know, elite quarterbacks and stuff. It's like, yeah, hey, their defense is terrible. It's like, yeah, and that, that's going to limit how well they can win games and, you know, go to a Super Bowl and those kinds of things. But how good a defense is doesn't really affect whether or not Justin Fields gets murdered which is the important part, right? We have this quarterback we think has the ability to be very good and be the leader of this franchise going forward. But if we spend three draft picks on defensive line and cornerbacks, like the guy's going to get buried after seven plays because Miles Garrett is just destroying 
you know, whatever tackle we put out there. Like, that can't happen. So we might have to sacrifice defense for a little bit and just hammer everything at making sure this guy's got people to throw to and enough warm bodies in front of him that he doesn't get destroyed every time he goes out there. So I think part of the issue here, so I've said this for years, the idea of trading up for a quarterback, fine. Like, do it, go go get your guy. Last year they gave up. um, I mean, they don't have the number seven overall pick this year because they went up and got Justin Fields, right? If that was for a Jamal Adams or a a non-quarterback, you'd say, wow, that's crazy. Like, you gave up almost two top ten picks, essentially, for one player. That's okay. But it leaves the Bears with five draft picks this year. First one's uh, at 39, only two picks in the top 100. So every time, and I think this was the big mistake the Texans made when they traded up to get Deshaun Watson years ago. Trade up, go get Deshaun Watson, fine. But what the Texans did after that was every single move after that was bad, essentially. right? right? Every time they traded a Jadavian Clowney, they didn't get enough draft capital back. Or they gave up a ton of draft capital for Laramie Tunsil, right? When you trade up for a quarterback, that, that risk is, is perfectly fine. But you have to offset that, in my opinion, with going the complete other way in the subsequent years, right? You have to add draft capital the next few years and offset what you just gave up for the quarterback. So I think my number one strategy for the Bears is something they can't really execute until draft night, which is turn that five picks into eight, nine, or ten. You, I think you have to do that if you're the Bears. And then do the same thing next year, right? If you're the Bears, to get this thing back on track, you have to draft 10 to 12 times each of the next two years. And and I think you work the board as much as possible. The mistakes the Bears could make is falling in love with one player at 39 overall and saying, that's our guy. Or trading up somehow for for some reason to get it. Do whatever you can to draft (laughs) 10 to 12 times each of the next two years. And that's one of the big steps to getting the nucleus in place for Justin Fields. But they're another one of those teams, I think, that needs to be active in free agency, trying to find those viable starters um, on the offensive line. Now, the problem is, if you've been listening to this series, there's more of those teams, even though it's a rich area for those players, right? There's an absolute ton of these guys who are genuinely viable starting caliber offensive linemen. Um, The problem is there's more teams that need them than there are a number of guys out there. So eventually somebody's going to be left without getting some of those. And maybe the market is stronger for the, those players than we think it should be. But, you know, all these players that we've been listing out, the James Daniels, Ben Jones, Austin Corbett, Andrew Norrell, Morgan Moses, Eric Fisher, Alex Kappa, Brian Allen. Good work. So many of them, right? All these guys should be in play for a team like Chicago, but they should also be in play, you know, for Cincinnati, for all these other teams that have holes in the offensive line. And somebody is going to end up missing out and not, getting any of those deals done by the time they roll into the draft and be in a tougher situation. And that's, generally speaking, why there were good teams in a given year and bad teams in a given year. But my point being, like half the other teams we've been mentioning, Chicago needs to be phoning up every single one of those guys and trying to nail down five starting guys before you hit the draft. And if you if yes. you stumble into another one or two in the draft, awesome. It's a great problem to have. Um, but don't put yourself in the situation where your picks – that begin at number 39, like, you need a starter from one of those because that's bad. Yeah, I mean, look, the, I think the draft for the Bears, it can't be – you cannot go into the draft. And, again, we're doing this for all 32 teams. So it's not like my strategy for one team isn't that much different than other teams, which is why I 
say a lot of the same stuff, right? Because the strategy is the same. But as the Bears especially, you, you cannot go into the draft needing starters, right? Needing On to, the offensive line. Uh, like, particularly on the offensive yeah. line. I mean, but you can't go in and say, okay, we got to get our starting receiver here. We have to get our starting whatever. You have to only be able to take the best players because the whole roster needs help. Secondary needs help. Defensive front needs help. Offensive line, playmakers, they need help everywhere. Okay, so you can't go into the draft doing that. But the other part about the offensive line is we know Justin Fields likes to hold the ball a little bit longer. We know that he's in that group of quarterbacks that's generally going to make the offensive line look a little bit worse. But you also have an offensive line that wasn't great when they had to just pure pass protect last year. And you just you have to eliminate any of those excuses. I think the way the Jets built around, tried to finally build their team two years ago, where they finally addressed the offensive line and got that back on track, the way the Chargers addressed the offensive line last offseason, I think that is priority number one for the Bears. Leave no excuses for Fields from a pass protection standpoint. Plus, if you, if you get a, a decent run-blocking unit, don't forget Fields, awesome in the run game, design run game, him and David Montgomery back there together can be really dangerous. It, having a good, well-rounded offensive line I think should be priority number one. Yeah, agreed. By the way, now, like, this show of all shows is the day we don't have the cough button queued up. Because you got coughs and sneezes and, right. and the whole thing. It's good to have you back, though. Welcome back to the show. Good call. All right, so you mentioned a bunch of the free agent offensive linemen. I'm not going to get that specific in the draft because they don't have a first-rounder, and I don't want them to pick at 39. Like, okay. I want them to turn 39 into a couple more top 100 picks, and I just that's what I want the Bears to do. Uh, I think the rest – the line is is where I think you can make – even just some short-term moves. You know, if the Bears brought in Dwayne Brown just yeah. for a year, because you're not going to fill every long-term roster hole this year. But if you just take a Dwayne Brown just to solidify the left tackle spot, the same way they did Jason, Jason Peters last year, bring somebody in just to, just to get better development out of Justin Fields for this year. But I think the rest of the roster has to be a forward-looking approach. Guys that are going to be there in 23 and 24 – um, your your pass catchers, I think a receiver like a Keelan Cole, not gonna you know we're not gonna you know say this is the best free agent move of all time, but he's a guy that could be a, you know a reasonable option for them over the next couple of years, a number three type of receiver. I think just continue to add those types to the team in free agency and go from there. Yeah, and they have a decent amount of money to spend. Um, they've got space right now. They've also they're another one of those teams that can free up you know, a ton of space, and they can get somewhere in the region of 80-plus million dollars of salary cap space. So they have cash to go and hunt some of these wide receivers. And, you know, presumably they're letting Allen Robinson walk, but maybe they get into the Michael Gallup sweepstakes if he makes it as far as free agency. It's still up in the air what Dallas is doing with their receivers. Maybe they're a team that that gets involved in the Marquez Valdez-Scantling thing, which is probably going to get quite expensive. Yeah. All of a sudden you have... Um, Darnell Mooney and Valdez Scantling that's some serious speed out there at receiver and you still have the draft upcoming to try and add uh, I'm going to keep coming back to Russell Gage as a guy that can do everything and be a really nice number two in any given offense so Russell Gage paired with Mooney that gives you a really nice foundation to add you know one more guy in the draft and all of a sudden have a really good wide receiver core I'm torn on what they could do in the secondary too because I agree with those moves um, if they're going to spend a ton of money I'm intrigued by Jalen Johnson's been pretty solid as a starting corner. They need a, they need somebody opposite him. 
Could they be looking at a guy like Carlton Davis coming out of Tampa Bay? Again, it would be we're projecting him over $16 million a year. Is it too early in the Bears' rebuild to invest that type of money? Or do you say, look, we're still in this division with Aaron Rodgers. We have to, we have to be able to cover well. We have to be, able to, you know, we have to be strong at corner. Jalen Johnson's a starting point. We're going to invest in a J.C. Jackson or a Carlton Davis. Some of those guys, Traverius Ward, some of those corners at the top. Um, I think those guys should be in play. For the Bears. I just think if you're going to spend that kind of money, spend it on offense. Like yeah. If you have that to deploy, find a receiver, find an offensive lineman that's going to guarantee a spot that helps Justin Fields. Because that, that's where your offseason should be, right? Help Justin Fields. Those, those words. That's it. That's, that should be Chicago's offseason. All right. Have we fixed the Bears? We're going to focus on offense. We're going to attack free agency with the PFF free agent board. Not overpaying for guys that are in the hundreds on the PFF free agent board. Um, be smart at receiver. I'm going to go longer term plays when it comes to the uh, pass catchers. Personally, I would take a look at the cornerback market because I do want. I don't want to go completely on offense. And then Akeem Hicks is also a free agent. I mean, just big dudes on the interior. Not a great year for that. But if you find value in the draft on late day two into day three and perhaps some of those low-rent type of free agents, the Sebastian Joseph days of the world. Um, if he's at the right price, got to get those guys in there. Sound good? Yeah. All right, have we fixed the Bears? Yeah, enough. Um, is this, a, as I find our ad reads, hmm. multi-year rebuild here for, uh, for the Bears? Yeah, I mean, at least in terms of, like, we want to focus everything on the offense for year one. Year two is when presumably you can have the flexibility to address defense once you're sure that Justin Fields is going to work out and that you have a pretty decent setup built around him. And that's when you go from being viable to being good, presumably. So, you know, you can rebuild this thing in in one year, but to be good, you're going to need a couple. Patience, Bears fans. Yeah. Patience. You're going to do an ad read now? Yeah. I'm going to go get a tissue. I'm going to remind you that the PFF NFL podcast is sponsored by Western and Southern Financial Group. While you focus on your roster moves, Western and Southern helps advance your money moves. Buying your first home? Planning to start a family? Wondering how to make your money grow? Western and Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. All right. Living that dream again. Solo pod. Before Sam gets back, we're moving on to the Detroit Lions. Where are the Lions in their rebuild? Well, last year, new regime comes in. They trade Matthew Stafford. They have excellent draft capital going into this season uh, or going into this draft. They've got picks 2, 32, and 34. uh, Five picks in the top 101. They have 10 picks total. So double the picks that the Bears have right now. I mean, that's what the the Bears aren't going to get the same level of draft picks but they need to the bears need to draft trade back just to get that level that, that number of picks the lions pick three times before the bears even pick just for some perspective so the lions are well positioned to get this roster back on track and i think if you look at last season we say this a lot about rebuilding teams what are you trying to get out of a season i mean you're trying to get players that you can build around going forward and when you see uh in a monroe st brown as a fourth round pick just emerge and it's like, all right, that that fills a need for next year because they pretty much came into this year probably needing three wide receivers. Well, now they have one. They're bringing back Josh Reynolds. Um, had some young corners play last year who could be a part of this thing. It, through that lens, it seems like the you know the Lions had a decent season last year as, find, as far as finding some young players that they could build around. Yeah, the Lions are um, 
incredibly fascinating because they're one of the few teams that's ever been given the uh, luxury of really attacking a rebuild as a multi-year project, right? Almost everybody, you come in, and there might be talk of, you know, this is a multi-year thing, but realistically, like, you're expected to win year two. And if you don't, you're out of there, right? The Lions legitimately appear to have been given the luxury to say, plot this out for me. How do we get from where we are now, which is terrible, let's be honest, right, to a Super Bowl? What does that look like? And they've gone, right, year one, everything is built in the trenches. We're going to get offensive linemen, we're going to get defensive linemen, we're going to get tougher inside, and we're going to set a foundation so that everything else can function in year two. Year two is where we are now. Now is presumably where we start to deploy some resources at receiver or at cornerback, right? Build from the inside out, get those perimeter players that can hit the ground running a little bit faster than those offensive line. And then the real big question mark is when in this project does the quarterback happen, right? And is that now? Does he come in year two or is that year three? Do we have one more year of a a sort of sacrificial lamb in Jared Goff, a guy who can just take the beating until we're ready for the quarterback, and then next year is when we get that guy. Um, and that becomes pertinent because we have these two picks at the top and the bottom of the first round. And all of a sudden there's talk that Malik Willis could go number two and that he's the guy that Detroit could take, which it, it makes some sense because they don't have to play him year one. So you can still have the yeah. – Goff can still be the guy that, that takes the beating this year – only you have acquired the quarterback. He's just sitting on the bench learning, right, to be deployed next year. Um, They also have the pick at the bottom of the first round. And in a year where nobody loves these quarterbacks, maybe that's where you take one, right? A a first-round quarterback, but a guy that, you know, is hope rather than guarantee. Or do you put the whole thing off to next year and you just deploy these first-round picks on finding an elite wide receiver, finding an elite corner, you know, finding these guys that will make the rest of the roster really good and then next year is where you attack replacing Jared Goff. So I think the reality of it is you could do both, right? And this, is, this goes back to that argument of if you really need a quarterback, do you just keep drafting quarterbacks? And I'm not saying it has to be at two, but in this draft, I mean, like, who do you want to draft at two? We've given him Kyle Hamilton before, you know, a do-it-all safety with incredible range. Uh, do you want to get a Kayvon Thibodeau or Aiden Hutchinson if either one of those guys are, are there? What do you want to do at two? Because there's no slam dunk player at two. Last year at this time, it's like if you took a non-quarterback, if you took Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase, you could get your payoff at two. Are you getting that at number two? I, do you want to just take a Malik Willis or whichever quarterback you like this year and say we're open to drafting a quarterback next year as well. I think it all they have starts. Two fir- they have two first-rounders next year as yeah, well. Yeah. And if another QB emerges and they're still picking in the top 10 for whatever reason, are you afraid to take another one? So I, I would hope re- not. But I, that's why I think it realistically starts with the question, does the quarterback come now or next year in this project? Right? Presumably this was all set out long-term based off how they've been doing everything so far. There should be a plan for when the quarterback arrives. Right? And is that supposed to be now or is that supposed to be next year? Because they have the flexibility to do it in either year. And I would say both. Right. You would say both. I would say almost everybody else in the world would suggest it's happening in one or the other. And I think the, their entire approach starts with that question. Is it happening now or next year? Given the state of these quarterbacks, my gut says it's next year. My, and and I, I also think the, the hedge is pick 32. Picking a quarterback. 
it's going to be the third, fourth quarterback off the board. But you're talking, is it Matt Corral? Is it Sam Howell? It, it's somebody where I would feel good taking him in the second round just to see. But if you're taking him at 32, you get the fifth-year option. If, that, if it gets to that point, I think that's a pretty common play. So for me personally, I'm shopping two as much as possible. You're probably not going to get much for it. You probably have to pick it two. But I'd look at quarterback at 32 and then say, look, with the two first-rounders next year, we'll see what happens. Maybe we're going quarterback again. Yeah. I mean, personally, I think I would punt on quarterback this year. If that was the plan, I, I guess that's my point. If that was the plan originally, you know, when this whole thing was drawn up on the big-ass whiteboard in Detroit, you know, Dan Campbell out here scrawling on the whiteboard with marker clenched between his fist, just hammering it. If that's how this was drawn up way back when, that's what you should stick to. Um, Is that the right Dan Campbell caricature? Oh, yeah. I think so. 100%. That man draws on the whiteboard with a marker in his fist. Yeah. Just... It's a grinder. Tell me it's not. Grinding it out. Tell me it's not. By the way, did you see him in, in Indy in the Combine? No. He was walking around rocking like like bell-bottom jeans. Like, Good for him. Where do you even get <laughs> Good for him. Where has he even found those? A, the man has got you know the kind of problems that you have in terms of finding clothing. He's a large human being. When you right? find you a just... pair of pants that fit, he's you had, buy them. He's had those for a while is all I'm saying. Um, so that's where he got them. And he got them somewhere in like... Right, someone back in the late 80s. Yeah. Yeah, and he's just stuck with them ever since. They were tough to find in the late 80s, I think, too. Well, whatever. Whenever he found them, he's still rocking them. Um, so look, if, you're not, if that was the plan and the quarterback was coming year three, you don't do it this year. You pick the best players at the top of the draft. You find whoever you love. And I would imagine, you know, that it's going to depend, obviously, what Jacksonville does at number one. If Jacksonville goes Aiden Hutchinson, you're going to go either... Um, Kayvon Thibodeau, Kyle Hamilton, right? I don't Derek think Stingley. you're picking an offensive tackle, so you're picking the best defensive player off the board. Essentially, Should Sauce Gardner be in play at two? Should he? Maybe if Gardner. I, I don't know what's going to happen on the PFF draft board, but the more I watch Gardner and see him ticking all the boxes, I mean, really ticking all the boxes: yeah. size, speed, production, but- off field. Seems like he's great. He could be in play at two because corner is a, definitely an issue for the Lions. And I know Lions fans are like, no, we just spent number three on Jeffrey Okuda two years ago. It's like, well, you still have to find somebody yeah. or multiple people out there. The first thing would be if Jacksonville does go offensive tackle, I think they would run Aiden Hutchinson's name. Oh, absolutely. The they're, going, they're going Hutch. But yes. if Hutchinson isn't there, then it becomes a much trickier decision. And I agree. I think Sauce Gardner should be in play at number two. I don't think he will be. No, probably I think not. he should be. Cornerback um, um, depth chart. What's that? It's a noise. Is that you? Cornerback depth chart for the Lions includes Jeffrey Okuda, uh, Amani Oruwariye. Friend of the show. Who is? Amani Oruwariye. Oh, right, right, right. We yeah, talked yeah. to him. We had Amani. The Super Bowl. I wasn't there. I no, forgot. I know. Um, and then last year, the you, you had some play. We had guys play. Jerry Jacobs and A.J. Parker. You know, those are the guys that are like, hey, you know, they could be part of the future here. Fatu Malafonwu. Um, so there's like intrigue there at corner, but it's still, it's still a big need. Yeah. Pure pass rusher. Also a need. So if, if, if it is just Thibodeau left, they need a Thibodeau as well. Because you, you still have Trey Flowers under contract. We'll see if they end up doing anything with Flowers. You have Romeo Aquara. Um, you have Julian, uh, Julian Aquara, but it's not like you can't. They could potentially try to move on from Trey Flowers, get younger and cheaper at that position with Thibodeau. And they're also a team with the flexibility to say, we can chase greatness in Kyle Hamilton. Like, that's a guy that can True. change what you do on defense. Like, it... it 
the, the range of outcomes is broader for a guy like Hamilton than it is for some of these other players. But the high end, like the, the what happens if he hits, what happens if he's as good as we think he is, can be spectacular. So because they have that extra first-round pick, I think they have the kind of flexibility to chase somebody like that in a way some of these other teams can't. And then the thing that's really attractive is the offensive line is completely locked up, not just for this year, but for the next two years. And other than Jonah Jackson, for the next three years, you know, offensive line, other than just adding backups and depth, offensive line is intact. That, yeah. is, a, that is a beautiful thing where we talk about the rest of the league. Almost every team that we're fixing here needs a multiple guards. And, and it's good. Tackle. Like it's not just in tank, but it's, and a, they're good. it's a good unit. With Taylor Decker and Panay Sewell at tackle, Frank Ragnell went healthy, one of the best centers in the league. And, they're, and I kind of like how it's built, right? They're, they're three best players. It's tackle, center, tackle, right. right? And they're good enough at guard. Beautiful way to build the offensive line. So love where Detroit is there. And I'm thinking if they don't go QB at 32, they also have pick 34. That could be a great place for... Um, for the receivers that start to fall too, yeah. right? As far as um, there'll, there'll be some receivers, I think, that go top half, middle of the first round. But I think the value starts to get good again in the second round in a place where the Lions can at least grab somebody there. Yeah, uh, receiver is absolutely some, something that they should be hammering in this draft. And I think, again, that was always going to be the plan um, to, to absolutely grab some receivers. And, and you're right, the top of the second round, the bottom of the first round, that's going to be the right kind of area for some of these receivers. Um, right now, you know, we don't know what happens with a guy like Jamison Williams, 17 on our board, but does the, you know, does the injury drop him? Is he still a middle of the first round type of player? If it does, I, any team that, that halts that slide is going to get a steal. And yeah. look, somebody emailed me a while ago because I railed against this before, basically saying that I don't think the injury should drop him at all. And they were saying that, oh, he's going to miss out on, you know, the physical like OTAs, right, essentially, the physical time of preparing for an NFL season year one. Like, oh, yeah, that's fine. I mean, he will. I don't care. I don't think that materially changes what he's going to do, even in year one, let alone years two through whatever. But even if, if you that, were worried, like, you're not just drafting for year one. Right. But, like, if that's the thing, if that's the one aspect you're concerned about, that, hey, he's going to miss some OTAs and that's physically, those are physical reps that he can't get back for year one, I honestly don't care. Like, that is such a small part of him being good as a rookie it's just not relevant. So if you're telling me that's the difference between him going like 17 and 25, could not care less. Yeah. Gar- grab the guy whenever you have an opportunity to. I agree. I mean, if I'm, if I'm the Lions, I'm doubling up a wide receiver from a draft pick standpoint. Um, I'm looking at corners. Uh, you, depending on what they want to do with Trey Flowers, pass rusher could be in play, uh, but also the quarterback situation, right? I mean, are you doing something at two? I think probably not. I'm, I'm, I am of the minds that you take somebody at 32. And that's, your, that's your lux, one of your luxury Stafford picks. And here's the deal. If the Stafford trade gives you two shots at a quarterback, you take the two Stafford picks, or whatever it is, this would be one of them, and you take two shots at a quarterback, one this year, one next year. I mean, that's, that's a high-end you know, view of how to fix the quarterback. Position. My only problem with that is, is, is the situation there for the quarterback that you grab to be good? Or are you just automatically burning the pick because there's no chance that guy can succeed behind what you currently have? Right? I mean, trust me, I'm very, I'm very intrigued 
by 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 the strategy of so the offensive build, line build the yeah. nucleus. The offensive line is good, so yeah. that part is fine, right? And they're whoever there you, for twenty three, right? Whoever you put back there is not dealing with a Justin Fields situation from last year in terms of you're going to die because there's nobody protecting you. The issue is your wide receivers. So right now, Amonris and Brown did very well year one. He looks like he's going to be your slot receiver going forward. You have Quintez Cephas, and that's it. So somewhere you need a wide receiver group this offseason, which, again, I think should be the, the approach. But if you start now deviating and grabbing a quarterback rather than grabbing receivers for the quarterback to throw to, I just want, I worry that you set that guy up for failure and automatically you're essentially – it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? You're creating the need to go back to the well in year two because you didn't, the guy never had a chance year one. That's why, you know, if, the, if this was a three-year gig – Jared Goff gets one more year of getting his ass beat in, you know, until the, until the situation is good enough for a guy to step in. Uh, the Lions are in pretty good shape overall, though. I mean, you've got um, you've got enough cap space to do some stuff. Uh, I, I I would consider. I, I keep mentioning Trey Flowers. I, is it time to move? I love Trey Flowers. He hasn't been worth the money that they paid him in Detroit. Is it time to move on from a Trey Flowers? Is it try, time to free up space there? And, and just get younger overall. And again, think 23 and 24. Those are the years we're looking to compete. Because free agent-wise, you got you, you got to do something at safety. Tracy Walker's a free agent. You only have one safety under contract. That's, uh, that's Will Harris. They have to do something at safety. I think you want to attack that. Unless they're all in on Kyle Hamilton, I think you have to attack safety in free agency. There are some decent names there to play around with. But um, other than that, anywhere else you'd be looking to spend? I would want to bring in a wide receiver in free agency. Just take off one of those guys. Um, but because this is this long-term project, you're going to want guys that are young enough, right? So, I mean, Allen Robinson is 28. I think even that is probably older than I would want to go. Yeah. Uh, you're looking at the Michael Gallups of the world, who's 26. You're looking at DJ Chark, who's 25. Um, those are the players. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, they're another one that could be in, in on a guy like that, just the, the guy that's bringing elite speed to the table. So... If you could bring in one of those guys knowing they're not going to be your number one and you're going to have a shot at somebody in the draft or whatever, I, I would be all for that. And, of course, Rashard Higgins. Always. Get Higgins over there. Higgins is always my number four receiver for every team I own. Zay Jones is an intriguing one. He's only 27. He had that late breakout in 2021. Could be one of those guys if you get him for two or three years that um, that has figured it out as a low-end two, high-end three type of receiver. So I'd, I'd take a look there as well. All right, we feel, feel like we've done some some stuff. For the so Lions. who are we taking in the first round? All right. In the first round, I've g- Let's I gave assume him, that Hutchinson is number one. Hutchinson so they don't goes have one. I gave him Kyle Hamilton in my last mock. After the combine, I'm really thinking about Sauce. Hmm. I'm thinking about Sauce Gardner there. But I, I'll stick with Hamilton at two. I think they would love to trade down but won't get the offer. Oh, yeah, completely agree. I would absolutely trade down. I mean, again... Every team at the top yeah. that's not taking a QB should be looking to trade yeah. down. Like but, if you could trade yeah. down to 10, get Sauce Gardner, and pick up whatever else extra, <laughs> jackpot. But the way you do that is a team like the Giants who have two picks, right? If they're just like, we've got this, this whole blue chip thing, like we said last year. Everybody has these blue chip players. And if, if some teams only have two on their board or four on their board, they want to get to that spot, even if it is a non-QB. Would a team like the Giants be intrigued? to come up just because they have the other pick. I don't see a team like the Eagles have three picks, but I don't think they're going to jump all the way to two, 
right? So yeah, I mean, you it's probably usually, don't have a trade partner. It's there. usually only a quarterback that elicits that kind of right. deal, and nobody wants the quarterbacks enough this year. So if you have to pick a two, where are you going? Uh, I I would be all for like, Hamilton. I think would be the place I would go. Um, I think a lot of it depends on where they are on Thibodeau. Like he's the guy that polarizes opinion, right? If, yeah. We, we're really not far removed from him being the presumptive number one overall pick of him saying that's the guy in absent of a quarterback, Thibodeau's the number one guy. And then all of a sudden you're hearing talk about, ah, oh, does he love football enough? Is he, you know, is he too interested in other things and blah, 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 right? And most of it's probably crap, right? I'm more worried about it's not, you don't have multi-year domination from Kayvon Thibodeau. No. The other guys that I would have taken one overall on the edge are the Boses, Miles Garrett, and Chase Young. And they were <coughs> multi-year Dominant players. You don't really have it for Hutchinson either, though. Nope. You have one year. You have yeah. one year of dominant, dominant, uh, dominant trade. And I think the yeah. pass rush part is close enough that you, you know, you could go yeah. that way. Um, I'm just saying that, like, it, there are going to be teams out there. I would assume that still love Thibodeau. Yeah. Right. There's others that apparently have decided that he doesn't love football enough, and it's a risk, and blah blah blah, and he might slide because of that. But if the Lions are one of those teams who still have him as like the number one guy on the board then obviously they're going to be elated that he's there too. So a lot of it depends on that. Personally, I think I would grab Kyle Hamilton and say that the upside of him, if he's spectacular, is insane. Yeah. Let's roll with that. And just for perspective, the reason why trading down is so cool and so awesome. It's so cool. Like if you traded an eight, I said I would consider Sauce Gardner at two. Right. I would consider Derek Stingley. Eight spots lower. If you, got him, if you got him at eight or ten, plus you had another – Second rounder, third rounder, whatever that other thing is, you're getting, you know, you're getting shots of two players. So who are you taking with their second pick, the 30? I'm going QB at 32. Come on. I'm going best QB on my board because that, to me, that's a free pick from the Rams where, you, where you're taking a shot at your quarterback. He's going to suck, though. He's not going to Drafting suck. a quarterback at 32, he's You bad. don't know. I mean, Dak Prescott was drafted in the hundreds. Yeah. You don't know. You don't know. Sam Howell. Sam Howell's my guy at 32. Ugh. All right, what do you want? What do you want, want at 32? Like a 32? I want a 32. Again, it depends what you did at 2. But if, you're, if we've taken Hamilton, I want an edge rusher at 32, or I want a wide receiver at 32. Okay. And then what's, where's my pick in the top of the second? And then you have 34. Yeah. You have so 32 and 34. Wide receiver and edge rusher are the next two spots coming up there. All right. Lions are fixed. Look at us. Just fixing all the teams that are rebuilding here in the NFC North. The other place you could rebuild is with all 22, our new friends that are unveiling the newest fantasy football game that hundreds of PFF employees are playing. All 22 uses weekly PFF grades as one of its main scoring components and tests your ability to build a full 53-man roster, including the offensive line. Positional value, all that fun stuff, is all baked in. If you ever, ever dreamt of sitting in an NFL front office, if you enjoy the scouting process as much as we do, you're going to want to check out all 22. You could join the waitlist at all-22.com with nothing more than your email. If you join the waitlist before the NFL draft, you'll receive a special promo code for your All-22 subscription. Waitlist users will even gain access to premium contents like inaugural draft guides, in-season strategies, feature release announcements, and more. Be sure to follow All-22 underscore PFF on Twitter. It's at All-22 underscore PFF on Twitter. Look at these guys. The founders of All-22. You can see them here on YouTube. These guys are passionate. <coughs> they had a dream, and they're making it come true here fantasy football involving every single player on the field all 22 less fantasy more football who's next in the nfc north minnesota green, no, bay. green bay all right how are we fixing the packers i would bring aaron Rodgers back 
And yeah. I'll bring Devontae Adams back. Uh, I believe they're doing that. Oh, okay. Good. Uh-huh. Just as long as we're on the same page yeah. as the Packers. Um, as mentioned, I don't think the Rodgers contract is going to hamstring the Packers. Oh, it's going to help this year, I think. Yeah, for this year, it's actually going to free up space. I, I don't think we have the official numbers on that. But the Packers have never been huge players in free agency. They still won't be big players in free agency. I mean, to maximize the next however many years of Aaron Rodgers, got to draft well. That's a hope, not a strategy. I say that all the time. Hmm. But that is – the hope is – you're adding impact players for the next couple of years because it's not like you're going to get them elsewhere. Yeah. Um, I think that this is the year they finally give Aaron Rodgers a first-round wide receiver to play with. I, I'm curious where the value is going to be there, though. I think the, it'll be pretty good. Bottom of the first? Depends on how many guys fall, right? Well, okay. So let's game it out, right? The bottom of the first round, you're going to lose uh, – like Drake London should be gone. Garrett Wilson should be gone. You would assume Jamison Williams and Chris Olave would be gone. Yeah, and then From that point, I think then just started, based yeah. off our board, we have Traylon Burks at twenty nine, Sky Moore at thirty. I don't know if this has been shaken up yet. It has been, should be. Yeah, this has already been done. So yeah. Burks should be lower. I thought we moved Christian Watson up a lot higher where we were because we have a drop off from like twenty nine and thirty Burks and more. Jahan Dotson at 42. He could be a fringe first-rounder. But then it drops off to, like, Jalen Tolbert at 58, George Pickens at 59. I don't know if late first is the best place or not. It depends on but some of those think, other guys falling. I but think. I think guys like Traylon Burks could slip that far based yeah. off what we know from him now. Guys like Sky Moore could have propelled himself up that far based off what he's done at the Combine. Um, a guy like Christian Watson from North Dakota State may have propelled himself up that far based off the insane workout that he had at the Combine. So... I mean, in our, like, literally, if you just work off our PFF big board numbers and you sort of say, yeah, that might not be the sweet spot, top, uh, bottom of the first round. But I think there's going to be receivers there that, like, the overall consensus board puts in that ballpark that if you're Green Bay, you'd be all for. There's several really good athletes, too, in that next tier. Alec Pierce from Cincinnati, Khalil Shakir from Boise State, Justin Ross, fascinating player who looked incredible as a true freshman. Got injured in 2020 and just never really you know, had uneven quarterback play last year. Could you imagine Justin Ross paired with Aaron Rodgers? You know, the, the payoff could be incredible there. So there are players in that second tier, our second tier of receivers, that would be really intriguing for the Packers. And, you know, if there are people scared enough of the ACL injury for Jameson Williams, it's not beyond the realm of possibility that he's still there when Green Bay pick at 28. Oh, that's it is. the Pack. All those teams, though, the Packers, the Chiefs, the Rams. Like, all those teams that are already loaded, NFL, do not let Jamison Williams fall to them. Do not let Jamison Williams fall to a team that's going to turn him into one of the best deep threats in the NFL. He could be one of the best deep, deep, threat, deep threats in the NFL for you yeah. in the middle of the first. So I do think that there's going, to be, there's going to be receivers that make sense at the bottom of the first for Green Bay if they want to go that way. And I think they probably should. Go what? Receiver? Yeah. Like, it's by far the biggest area of need on this team. It's by far the thing that they've been harped on at for the longest in terms of you have Aaron Rodgers throwing to Devontae Adams at the end. That's all you've had for years. Why will you not give this guy some help? Remember, the last time they were, it was like, you need to give him help. They go and draft his replacement and spark this rage revenge tour from Aaron Rodgers. It's now resulted in them <laughs> handing him all of the money. And bringing back Devontae But that was Adams. what we predicted. We said this is going to get the best out of Aaron Rodgers, and he goes back-to-back MVPs. So somebody Right had, or wrong. Yeah. Somebody raised the point of, like, uh, it, 
it's not a wasted pick because it created this, right? Is this, in fact, one of – it's like the – you know, when a, a player – like Peyton Manning goes down for the year, right? It's like he should win MVP because Curtis Painter is like the worst quarterback in the entire world. An idiot take, but yeah. Right. But this is like the draft version of that, right? Is this, in fact, one of the best draft picks of all time right. because it created the Aaron Rodgers revenge tour that's now two and a half years in the offing and about to set the world on fire again? Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady are two of the – weirdest cats when it comes to that stuff you know chip on their shoulder motivation guys that yeah. I, I would almost buy it much better than the peyton manning's most valuable because he's not there right take particularly if you could convince me like if there was somewhere on record of somebody saying that it was deliberate you know we did it to light a fire under roger's ass right he'd been mailing it in the last few years and he was just good not great yeah and we thought you know what will really piss him off Let's draft his replacement. It's certainly worth. If you could find somebody, if you could combine, if you could find somebody that would put that on record and say that's why they did it, then I would be on board and saying that's one of the best draft picks ever. So the problem with that draft in 2020 is the next few picks: AJ Dillon, running back in the second round, and AJ Dillon was fantastic last year. He was great, but you're you're still not adding. You could be adding more value to the team. That's all. And I love Dillon, and I think he did add a whole different dimension to the to the run game and, and all that fun stuff. Um, but the the problem is the other draft picks. I thought they I thought Eric Stokes was fine in the first round last he year. Was that, pretty good, actually. Yeah, he was good. And so you've got the t- last year at this time it was like, hey, cornerback two is the biggest issue on the Packers, and I think they they handled it well. Certainly with Eric Stokes and Rasul Douglas mm-hmm. last year. I would see if you could bring Rasul Douglas back on the cheap because you know he's played well in your system, had a career year. Um, but that trio of, of corners could be really good. So I would. I would look into the Rasul Douglas stuff. From a receiver standpoint, they're probably going to have to get rid of Randall Cobb. Alan Lazard, uh, Marcos Valdez-Scanling, who we mentioned over and over again, they're all hitting free agency. Only this if is Rodgers like, lets them. If Rodgers lets his – yeah, what if they have to cut his top free agent, Randall Cobb? That's what I'm saying. That's what – when I talked to Brad Spielberger on the PFF NFL Daily, which again, screenshot it, screenshot, hey, I subscribe to the Daily. Hey, I subscribe to the PFF NFL podcast. Email it to – NFL podcast at pff.com and you could be in the running for a free edge subscription but on the daily brad was saying look they're not gonna have to make a ton of moves you probably have to lose randall cobb and you probably have to lose zadarius smith on the edge right so two players um so so it's not that egregious uh at least for this year the the rogers deal but if you lose cobb here are where the two major holes are on the team you lose cobb you lose zadarius smith you need, you need edge rushers, and you need receivers. Because the edge rush, rush situation, you have Rashawn Gary heading into what? His last, so heading into year four, he'll have a fifth-year option. Beyond that, though, Preston Smith isn't locked up beyond this year. Say Zadarius gone. He only has one year left, too. Plus the entire defense. Uh, Darnell Savage heads into his fifth-year option soon. Adrian Amos is in his last year. They have to re-up Jair Alexander mm-hmm. really soon. They've got some work to do just to keep some of their nucleus together on the defense. You've got to get younger on the defensive side of the ball as well. Yeah, and that's where you need to start. You know, I mean, not start. You need to be drafting well because you're going to have to replace these guys and or re-up them, and that's going to get harder with all that money tied up in um, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams at least for a year. Remember, like he's if you franchise tag him and don't get a deal done, I mean, he's out of here next year as well unless you want to franchise him again, which is only getting more expensive. So. There's a lot, Green Bay's issue right now is essentially depth and or future-proofing this roster. Uh, I don't know how much they care about that, you know, and how much they're prepared to basically mortgage any potential future for the last couple of years to be squeezed out yeah. of Aaron Rodgers. You know, a bit like 
the Patriots said that they did with Tom Brady. Like we saw the, the writing was on the wall. It was coming. And we decided to put everything into these last couple of years. And then ultimately we had to pay the price at some point. Maybe that'll be Green Bay's approach, right? Which is, yeah, this isn't going to last forever, but neither is Aaron Rodgers. So let's just really target the next two years and try and get that second ring. Maybe that's their approach. But either way, you need to start like attacking those future areas um, and depth. Like the two, the two spots that they really need to address are wide receiver. You've got to have somebody beyond Devontae Adams one time ever. Um, and they, they weirdly need to replace Devondre Campbell, who came out of nowhere and was like an all-pro yeah. linebacker. Now, the good news is they only need one because that defense like, plays so little linebacker snaps that you can get away with one guy, right? Devondre right. Campbell essentially on his own was their linebacker core last year in the middle. So they do just need to replace that one guy, but they do need to replace him. The other thing that the Packers, I think, need to do, like Dennis Kelly, who filled, you know, their swing tackle who filled in, did, did, did a nice job last year, did a nice job the year before uh, for the Titans. Just bringing back those types of players, sixth offensive tackle, bring Kelly back maybe on the cheap and free agency. I mentioned, can you get Rasul Douglas cheap because he had that good year with you, or is he going to get paid because he had got, got his hands on the ball a ton this year? I, I think those are the types of moves that the Packers always tend to make, smaller moves that, that have, you know, that just keep the depth, you know. You're also losing big Bob Tunyon at tight end. Bob Tunyon. To, at free agency, right? I mean, look, there's this, there's this world where <coughs> did Aaron Rodgers make Tunyon, right? Because Rodgers playing really good ball, and you could make anybody a pretty good receiving tight end in this offense, especially with the amount of attention that Devontae Adams gets. But you just don't want to play that game. Whether you have Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or a mid-tier quarterback – you still want to do everything you can to put the best people out there, especially from a pass catch st- uh, standpoint. And if Devontae Adams gets hurt, what are they going to do? I mean, you throw if they get hurt, he's screwed. Like, right. Who are your I options? I think that's true. And, even if, and, if the, and if Devontae Adams gets played the way the Niners play them in the playoffs, yes. where all of a sudden they're doing the everything problem. they can to double him, no matter where he is, you need to have those other options. Yeah. So the Packers – have to hit on receivers um that's that's a bigger priority receivers and tight ends for every team say this for every team steve for every team but if the if they're going to maximize rogers for the next one two three however many years here need need some non-devante targets here i think a guy like sky Moore would be a, a, a great pick for them at the i almost marked the him to them late first. it would be like look if you look on almost every other board out there it would be a reach but I, I don't think it would be. I think given what we just learned about him at the Combine in terms of the guy he's got like 4-4 four, four speed, flat, um, that suddenly paints him in a different light. Like he, his tape is insane. And the only question mark when you're looking at a guy like that who plays at Western Michigan is, okay, but this is against Western Michigan and the level of competition they play at, does that really work against, you know, SEC competition or NFL competition? And I think when you show up and you run a 4-4 flat, I think that answers a lot of those, those questions, right? It's like, yeah, I mean, it, if you run 4-4 flat, there's no reason it doesn't work against the NFL, right? Yeah. So Sky Moore's tape is arguably as good as any receiver in this class. Um, as I said, the question is— We have him high on our board. Does, is he going to go first round? Is he going to go second round? I don't think he's I think he go goes first. in the second round. Yeah. But I don't think—that's what I'm saying. I think if you picked him at 28, it would be hailed as a reach. 
Yeah. You know, everybody would be out there going, that's a terrible pick. It's a reach. And I don't think it would be. I think you'd end up looking 12 months time, you know, fast forward a year. I think you'd end up looking really smart if you did that. Yeah. I mean, ideally, if you can get him at 60, that's probably too late, though. Right. So the the Packers have pick 28 and pick 60. That's the thing. It's like, is it is it too much of a reach to take him at the bottom of the first, knowing that you're not picking again until the, the bottom of the second? where he's probably gone. And this is like this is the classic example of what you're not supposed to do, right? Fall in love with a player and overdraft him because of that. Yeah. But I just think I don't I don't think it would be a reach taking him at twenty eight is my main point. Gunkust on his uh press conference last year I was listening to him, he said it's kind of their um their strategy. He learned from Ted Thompson, right? If you like a player, you go get him. Yeah. They did that with, just take uh, him. They did that with Amari Amari Rogers last year. And they get to this point on the board where it's like, that's my player. That's right. my guy. And look. I don't, and, and, but they tell their – they're like, do whatever it takes to go get him. Like, I don't care. They're not even thinking about the trade. Right. They're just like, just get him. And they did that with Rodgers last year. But I am acutely aware that there's a degree of, you know, inconsistency or uh, hypocriticalness when you're criticizing the Raiders for not doing that, right? Sure. For, for doing that but not being aware of, like, nobody else has that guy ranked there, right? Because yeah. in theory, if you were aware of that – and you're like, yeah, I understand this is a massive reach relative to everybody else's board. You should be trying to trade back and get and maximize the value, right? Now, the problem with this one is the, the consensus ranking of Sky Moore probably puts him right between those two picks, right? And it's like, can you trade back enough to pick up some value and still get the guy you want? And the answer might not be yes. So, look, I guess my point would be if, if you're on tw- – if pick number 28 – comes up and you start fielding phone calls and you can get back to 40, do it immediately, right? Yeah. If you can't and you're left with the option of take Sky Moore at 28 or risk that you're not getting Sky Moore, I would take him at 28 and I don't think you'd be upset by that. All right, so we're giving him Sky Moore here? Yeah. In the first it. round to go with Devontae Adams? Yes. Uh, can they bring Alan Lazard back as a three? Well, you've also Two got Amari Rodgers to, to sort of step into the Randall Cobb role, which True. presumably has to be vacated if Aaron Rodgers lets it happen. Do they try to get a good pass-catching tight end? Or are you just trusting Josiah Deguara to be the next guy there? Also the great Mercedes Lewis. Don't forget that. Mercedes still going. Father time is not – cannot beat Tom Brady and Mercedes Lewis. Well, Mercedes is too big. Father time's got no shot. Mercedes is – he is that guy that, like, turned back the clock and is all of a sudden, like, just trucking dudes. Well, we spent, like, years 10 years doing nothing but blocking, and then all of a sudden it was like, what if we throw him a pass? He just smashes people. It's well-rested. It's like modern-day Lee Smith. Except Lee Smith plays modern day. Still, yeah. He, but he just retired. Did he just retire? Might have done, yeah. All 330 pounds. <sighs> That's of your favorite player. Playing tight end. It's hilarious. We need a Lee Smith tribute video. He's also a hero. Maybe not to Villanueva's uh, status, but no. what if they had Villanueva here playing right tackle? Well, maybe, maybe he's only retired as a tackle. Maybe you can get him in at tight end. Oh, so that's what it is. Get Villanueva out of retirement to play tight end. There you go. There's your big threat. Imagine him in the red zone with Rodgers. Ten touchdown guy. Yeah. Immediately. As long as he didn't lose his athleticism like I did with age. It's tough at this size to maintain your athleticism. Well, certainly your, it's the evidence with you appears to be that it is, yes. Um, in my initial mock, I had Jermaine Johnson, the edge defender from uh, Florida State, going at 28 to the Packers. I don't think he's going to last that long. NFL loves him a little bit more than I do. Tore up the senior bowl, so he probably goes top 15. But they have to get younger at pass rusher. It can't just be Rashawn Gary. And uh, whatever Preston Smith has left here. So I think that's another place that if you take that forward-looking approach, you can, do, you can get by this year 
if you keep Preston and you have Gary, but it still would be a, a good play to uh, to get younger there. Yeah. So somebody at sixty could be good value though. Yeah, it's going to be one of those spots where when you draft a pass rusher, people are going to go, "Why are you doing that?" You've got Gary, you've got Preston Smith, you've got Zadarius Smith, but it's future proofing it, right? Yeah. Um, so bring back Dennis Kelly. That's your big free agent move. That's your big. Get free your agent. get your swing tackle because you're the Packers. You're not making a big splash in free agency. Dennis Kelly's coming back. Try to get Lazard on the cheap, in my opinion. Plus a Sky Moore, plus a Mari Rogers. Now you're cooking. Now you're cooking hmm. at receiver and uh, draft an edge at 60. That, they would also be a, a team that might kick the tires on one of those reclamation project tight ends in free agency, the O.J. Howards or the Evan Engrams of the world, guys that really didn't live up to a first-round pick but might be available for, like, not much money. Evan Ingram would be great right? as a rejuvenation That's what project. I like that. That's a good job. Thank you. Hold on one second. You want us to pause the podcast while you reply to a text? Yes. Is that what we're saying here? I'm not, you know, I'm not a great... I don't respond to every text from my wife, but this is just an important one. Okay. So we're good. Sorry. Right. We're Sorry. good now. We're good. She's got it sorted. We got it all sorted out. Great. Are the Packers sorted out? We feeling good about the Packers? Yeah, we did it. Look at that. We fixed the Packers. Now it's time for a round of applause because I'm going to announce again, this isn't for the first time, we're going to announce Manscaped launching their ultra premium collection believe it or not it's not it's for your not so private parts i don't read that well every single time no every single time but i like the way you still keep coming back to the table and giving you gotta try you gotta try like like you get it by next week like chris ballard in the quarterback position you gotta keep swinging keep keep swinging poor guy i'm talking about a leveled up hygiene routine for your with your favorite manly scent it's an all-in-one skin and hair care kit for every for the everyday man Covers your whole body, literally. Manscaped is trusted below the waist. Now trust them with the rest. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code PFF. Here's your order of operations when it comes to the Manscaped Ultra Premium Collection. Number one, you hop in the shower, scrub-a-dub-dub that body with the Manscaped body wash. Number two, lather your hair up in the two, with the two-in-one shampoo and conditioner. You can skip two. Just jump right to three, Sam. Do they have anything for my bald-ass head? Would you still condition that? You still want to condition that? I don't know what you're supposed to do with it. It's just, it's just a head now. I would, I would, you don't need the two-in-one. You just need a one-in-one. Just, just condition, a one-in-one. Just condition it. You don't okay. need the shampoo. Condition your bald noggin. Number three, dry off and spray on that hydrating body moisturizer to reinvigorate dry skin. Number four, put on Manscaped deodorant for obvious reasons. And number five, pop that Manscaped lip balm on. Nobody, nobody's out here kissing those chapped lips. Mm. You know that? That's true. Getting dressed after that is optional. Unless you got to go to work. Wear one great scent all day long. It's 20% off plus free shipping with the promo code PFF over at manscaped.com. It's 20% off plus free shipping. Promo code's PFF over at manscaped.com. The power of attraction is now in a bottle. Thanks to Manscaped. Only have five teams left on this show. We're cooking. Vikings. Ooh. You have an hour. Oh, boy. We already traded Kirk Cousins to the Carolina Panthers. We so did. That so is that. that. Do we need consistency across shows here? <laughs> if you guys listened <clears throat> yesterday, remember we fixed the NFC East and South. As the Carolina Panthers, we traded for Kirk Cousins. Which leaves us with Kellen Mond in his 21 grade at quarterback. I mean, it can only go up. It can only go up. I and wonder if this regime is more confident in Kellen Mond than the, than the last one. So I've been asked a couple of times recently about whether the Vikings would trade Kirk Cousins. And I think ultimately the answer is they don't want to. But if the right offer comes along, 
they'd take it. Like if Carolina gets desperate enough that they start calling up and they're saying, hey, number six overall, we'll take the contract and, you know, maybe throw in a couple other bells and whistles into the bargain, I think the Vikings would go, I mean, we're intrigued to see what Kirk Cousins would be in this offense. On the other hand, hell yes. You know, send it over right now. Um, So I guess if that's the scenario, they're they're probably keeping Cousins unless somebody comes in with that offer. So we're so in this scenario, are we going to stick with Cousins? I say I say gonna... screw consistency. Okay, so we're stuck with Cousins. Yes, for at least a year. Okay, so what is your team building strategy here? If you're the Vikings, I don't want to because free agency exists first. Yes, I don't want to jump to the draft. But in my mock at twelve, <clears throat> I took Malik Willis with a lame duck season of Kirk Cousins, and okay. I'm th- so I'm I'm for looking there. Yeah, I don't hate that. I mean, ultimately, you need a succession plan for Kirk Cousins yeah. anyway because even if you think he can play much better in this system than he did in the old system that's quite related to this system I'm I'm just hearing from ownership and all of the press conferences that they want to compete right you yeah. want you want to weird competing. to me I don't understand why there's this like push. all you've done for the last 10 years is compete you, you have you've, you've remained competitive you have a one this is the one year you get the opportunity to press reset on the whole thing right and to reboot it in a way that actually takes it off the path that you're on and moves it in a different direction. And instead, you're saying, no, 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 we think we can win now. Like, why? Like, I, I understand you might be able to, but that the old regime might have been able to, but they weren't, so they got rid of them. But this is where we've, we've, we've discussed this before. There's 32, 32 different teams, 32 different ways of doing business. When we do our podcast, we make some assumptions on that. We make the assumption that every team wants to win a championship, and that's the ultimate goal. Yes. And every move should be made with a championship in mind, whether it's this year or three years from now. But the reality is some teams are legitimately happy with winning 10 But games. I do think that the Vikings are in that category. I think they do want to win a championship. This is just a weird way of doing it. And I'm, look, I'm, and I'm, not, I'm not saying either way where the Vikings land in this whole thing. But when you hear this idea that, like, hey, we want to, we, we want to compete right away, yeah. like you had the perfect regime to compete right away. Mike Zimmer... And Rick Spielman were the perfect combination to win right. 8 to 11 games every single year. The, the point about the, the guys you just dropped picked out of the building is that they couldn't take you from 500 to the Super Bowl. It, so what you're saying is that this current regime is the difference between being 500 and the Super Bowl. That doesn't – like the whole point is operating basically the same, right, with the same like restrictions, quote unquote. Right i.e. Kirk Cousins and his contract. Um, the whole point about like bringing in a whole new regime, a new GM, a new head coach, guys that are going to be into the data, you know, all these things, right? What, that, that only makes any sense if you're going to have like a drastic departure from what you were doing in the first place. If the first thing they do is to say, we're sticking with Cousins and we're going to win now, and then what was the point? What did you do? Now, on the other hand... They can win now because look at this division. Bears and the Lions are completely rebuilding. Yeah, Rodgers is back with the Packers. Uh-huh. It's the, it's, once they replace a few of their free agents, it's the same squad as last year, right? You got a few draft picks yeah. in there, replace a couple free agents, get Which younger is- in the secondary. It's the same squad as last year, and you can make the argument however you want to make it. You're a couple bounces away from a 10 or 11 win team. You're a couple bounces away from whatever, right? So you can make those arguments either way. I just think, do you do you try to maximize this year and then deal with quarterback later, 
or do you, or do you just have this forward-looking approach? I just don't understand any approach that's, that says the best way of getting from where we are to a Super Bowl for Minnesota is to essentially maintain the current course because the current course obviously wasn't working, which is why you decided to stop what you were doing, throw down the anchors, and fire everybody, right? The only like, So clearly, <laughs> self-evidently, you believed you were heading in the wrong direction. So all you've done is fire the ship's navigator and the captain, replace them with two new guys, haul anchor, and decide to start moving off again as per usual. Like, that, that just doesn't make any sense to me. But you are, you're a big feels guy, right? Feels. Feels? Feels. Touchy-feely, right? Like, ah, well, you would never tank because, right? You would never t- I mean, I, sa- I said I wouldn't tank because you don't want to you know, have a losing culture. Uh-huh. I've said that. But you, you don't want, like, two quarterbacks in the same room in case they were mad at each other and all that stuff. Right? How would, because if on paper, human element out of this, mm-hmm. I think it's easy to say, look, we, we, Kirk's value's high right now because a couple teams are desperate. Trade them. Danell Hunter, trade them. Yeah. Right? Trade these guys and look <clears throat> to the future. But how do you go and tell Justin Jefferson, Christian Darasaw, you know, some, uh, Eric Kendrick, some of these guys who are Harrison Smith still locked up, like, we're going to be bad this year? By saying that next year we're going to win a Super Bowl, like, but you got to you keep all those guys engaged for this year. I'm just saying they're the Vikings are still in this place. It's not the 2019 Dolphins who, on paper, were bad, and then it's like okay, you can lose a couple more players and still in, and be worse and look to the future. They were in full rebuild mode. The Vikings have been in this hybrid mode for three years now, forever, three years. Basically. Since twenty, since they got Kirk Cousins, they've been locked into this world of you're trapped now in this this world of average. You can't get better. You can't get worse. You're stuck. So what would you really do? Would you you would you would try to trade Kirk at all costs? I would probably. be. I would listen to every single offer that was out there for Kirk Cousins. And yeah. if somebody like Carolina was willing to throw me the number six overall pick, I would ship him over there personally in the back of a U-Haul. You'd have six and 12. I, if I was crazy, I would throw Kirk Cousins in the back of that U-Haul and I would drive his ass to that Carolina Panthers building and release You don't your think you get there quicker via plane? No. Like open the back door, you know, and like let him out into the wild. Like yeah. you're free. Go. Go forth. That's, that's, that's how I would get rid of Kirk Cousins. Enjoy. Right? You're gone now. And then from that point on, you can actually start to do some real things because the contract is out of there. He's out of there. Now you can start looking to the future in a real way. I'm just, I'm just fascinated by what those – I love that picture. What those interviews were, Quasi sitting down. Like, he, you know, they have eight to ten hour interviews. Here's my plan for the Minnesota Vikings. And it's how the much, same. It's, it's exactly what you've been doing, only different. Yeah, but I mean – but is his cell like, look, Kirk is a top half of the league quarterback – He's better than that a lot of the time. There's some kind of it factor missing that probably is found in wins, right? The, the missing piece that we probably can't quantify shows up in win totals. The missing piece of Kirk Cousins is his ability to win games. It's quite a large flaw, but we're willing to roll through it anyway. But I'm coming from the Niners. I'm coming from Cleveland. And look, what Cleveland did is put together what looked like one of the best rosters around their quarterback last year. And a lot of different stuff happened, and the quarterback got hurt. Yeah. But the process was sound. Like, I'm going to surround Kirk Cousins with sound process, and we're going to make sure every position group is solid across the board, and that's going to get us over the hump. Like, was that the sell? Probably. Or was it like, we're just going to suck it up for this year and take this full 
forward-looking approach. I mean, that was probably the sell. He has to be working on the basis that he can assemble a championship-caliber roster around Kirk Cousins, right? I would simply but question— But it's just for one year. Then you're going to re-up him for what, 40? Right. He's I'm, at 33 APY right now, 33 for, million. Is he going to make 40? Yes. Look, there are many problems with rolling with Kirk Cousins as your quarterback, the first of which is I simply don't believe that building a championship-caliber roster around him is realistic given the stresses he places on your salary cap. Right? So as of right now, the Vikings are $15 million over the cap. Now, obviously, as with every other team, they can free up some space and, and create some room. But there are only three teams that are in a worse position than they are in terms of being able to free up salary cap space. And the Vikings have a ton of work to do because this roster is not great. The defense has completely fallen apart from the point where it was one of the best units in the NFL. And now I don't know how many pieces you have on that team that are even there long term. The offense is actually in a pretty good spot. You've got Justin Jefferson. You've got Adam Thielen. Um, The offensive line is starting to improve, and I kind of like the idea that in this offense, the offensive line will look better. Like Kevin O'Connell was saying some interesting things about the traits that a guy like Garrett Bradbury has. Remember, a a former first-round pick at center who's been pretty disastrous so far for them. But he was talking about, like, his – speed and his agility and the way that that can execute blocks within their specific system that runs all these outside zone plays and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's what, I know. Well, but, they were running that in. Anyway. But he's not just saying, like, he's a good player, right, which would have been a massive red he's flag, got right? Because immediately yes. you're like, that's just not true. But what he's saying is that, like, he has the traits we look for within this offense to execute the blocks we want to, we want to run. And I can see an argument that guys like Bradbury and Ezra Cleveland might be better in this new offense, which again is very similar to the old offense, but does have some differences. So I think the offense can be made, can be put together pretty quickly, but you need to build a whole defense. Yeah. And you don't have the money to do it. it, It's got to be the youth movement defensively that they teased. I mean, this is one of the mistakes of the Spielman regime was getting younger at corner, but really not sticking with it. Right. And then deferring to the Patrick Petersons of the world. In free agency. And Bashad Breland. Like, Bashad Breland. Why was that guy world, ever right? on the field? Cameron Dantzler has been pretty good as a fourth-round pick. Jeff Gladney, unfortunate, weird off-field stuff. But, you know, intriguing. for Like, that was attack the secondary with youth and volume. They have to do that again. So I think if they're, if they're not going QB at 12, I think all the corners we've talked about are in play. Sauce Gardner. Don't know where he's going. Anywhere from 2 to 12. Right. I'm in on Gardner. I'm in on Trent McDuffie from Washington. I'm in on Derek Stingley if he ends up there at 12 for LSU. I think corner is probably a good play for them. They just at need 12. To go defense, like defense, honestly, anywhere defense. Well, the other thing too with O'Connell coming in, if 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 he sticks with the Rams system that loves to run 11 personnel, so three wide receivers, that's also the opposite of what was just happening in Minnesota, where they wanted a two wide receiver set. They wanted a you know at least until last year when they were forced. Into last it. year they were forced into it, but that's. That's also probably part of the pitch, right? Where it's like, hey, you know, we tried to we yeah, tried to make Cousins into this conservative quarterback. We're going to open it up a little bit. We're going to have three receivers. You have Justin Jefferson. You have Adam Thielen. You have some intriguing guys around him. But what if we have a really good third receiver? Yeah. And now we're cooking because if Irv Smith comes back, there's your four playmakers that are tough to cover. Plus Dalvin Cook, the offense can be explosive. It really can. And it was explosive last year. Like the, the whole point about the Vikings is not that they're going to suck. It's that they'll be good. They'll be pretty good, right? They'll, their baseline is 500, right? So they will be somewhere in that ballpark. And that offense, I think, particularly with the new system that's coming in, could actually be very good this year. The problem is, can you win a Super Bowl 
can you contend this year? And with that defense, the answer is absolutely not, unless you have one of those all-time drafts where you snag like three Hall of Famers in the first three rounds, and that's just not a high percentage play. The thing about Cousins this year, too, do you, he's only on your cap for one more year. Does this year matter? Do you just maximize this year and just let him go? And then you just go from there? Because you get... Then you just delayed the real improvement you're going to... Because the value in trading him is... Massive. Draft draft capital, right? Draft capital and and thinking beyond this year. If you're going to re-sign Kirk, you keep him. I mean, it doesn't really matter. He's going to hit free agency next year anyway. But you keep him, you re-sign him, and you figure it out. But... You, you get $10 million in dead money. You save $35 million, But it's not about the cap savings for this year because who cares about this year? But it kind you of should. is, right? If you're trading him away, the, the, the benefit is twofold. It's one, you get the draft capital, which could be as high as number six overall. And two, it's you free up $35 million to actually make some plays now, not next year. True. But you also don't – you have a massive question at quarterback. Sure. But, like, but the point is if you're – like if this thing has to – if it has to be torn down – to be rebuilt to the point where it can go somewhere different yeah. to higher levels than it was before, that has to start. And there's no point, in, like, if it starts next year, what did you do this year? You just tread water for a year. The other thing I'm doing, if I, if I did trade Kirk, if I'm the Vikings, is bringing in a Marcus Mariota just in case, right? If you get him on the cheap. I'm, I've brought Mariota up the for great, a lot. The great Mariota versus Kellen Mond battle of 2021. I'm bringing in Mariota and drafting somebody. You know what I mean? I'm just... Just in case. I mean, if Mariota is going to be somewhat cheap and has that career resurgence, you never know. Sure. Um, bring Our, Teddy I mean, back. We haven't seen Mariota in this type of system, right? Like, that would actually be – makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So let's do that. Trade Kirk. We're gonna, uh, so I'm going to live in consistency. Yeah, we're going back world. to consistency world. <clears throat> Kirk's been traded for pick number six. Perfect. Six, I'm drafting Sauce. Let's go. Twelve, I'm drafting Malik Willis. Okay. If he's there. And I'm signing two, Marcus Mariota. All right. Vikings. Look at this. I'm in. Good job, Quasi. And then second round, anything on defense? Defense. Uh, yeah. Edge. Edge values there in the second round. And hang on. Because we traded away Kirk, we can make some plays in free agency. All right. Um, who we get in free agency here? Let's add an edge rusher. Let's add an edge rusher. Randy Gregory? Ooh, I think his market might go to the moon. Could be too much. What about like a Hassan Reddick? Who might be cheaper? Reddick could be good um, right now. Or if you're, uh, no, never mind. Yeah, that's on Reddick. I like. Let's give him Reddick. All right, Reddick's coming in. What are we doing with Danell Hunter? I think you keep him. Like I understand he's costing a lot of money, and he's been injured forever. Yeah, but he's really good, and he's young still. Like he's only twenty-seven. So Can we I get out from. Michael Pierce contract, Dalvin Tomlinson. There's a lot of dead right. money involved yeah. there. I, mean, I, I would start. Those are the ones I would look to move on from. More Pierce, than, you can save some money, but you, you have to incur some dead money as well. Yeah, like Danelle Hunter to me is a restructure more than he is get rid of. The other interesting component here, I know we take a long time. We're going a long time here, but Adam Thielen is a ton of money. He's a very, very good player. But are there a lot of other Adam Thielens around the NFL now? Comparable receivers. For that type of price, I would, I would maybe consider looking at him. I, maybe not trading right away, but looking for his replacement for next year. Sure. I mean, you can always I, – I never stop looking for receivers. Perfect. Um, but right now, I think you'd be happy to keep them. Have we fixed the Vikings? Yeah. All right. Now we're on to the NFC West. Is that right? The West. Arizona Cardinals, first up here. The Kyler question. 
Don't sigh. Oh, I got you. Only four teams left. Look at We've fixed 28 teams in the NFL so far. Mm-hmm. Pretty impressive. But now we have to talk yes. about Instagram. And when I say fix, we're going to fix the Rams. They were, they were Super Bowl champs. We're fixing everybody. Everybody needs to be fixed. Well, that one should be easy. So <clears throat> we're the GM here in Arizona. Kyler has, has brought us back into the Instagram fold. We're in the mix. Mm. We're there. We're Steve Kime. We're Steve Kime for a minute. We, we've, Kyler's acknowledged us, on, acknowledged us on social media. Is the uh, bridge no longer, you know, smoking? It's smoke not burnt yet. Bridge. It's just a little smoke. <laughs> Where there's smoke, there's fire. Yeah. Um, but we can put it out. We can put the smoke out before it becomes fire. Okay. That doesn't make so any sense. So that's just what, smoldering? Is that a metaphor? Give me a, give me a metaphor. Give me up to zero. You're not getting minus two for that one. Um, I, so here's the thing, right? The, the whole Kyler stuff is just, it was a giant, you know, I want my money and I want it now. The Cardinals, we want, we want to give you your money, but we want to give it to you next year, right? Yeah. I think Arizona's winning that. Like, I don't think they're re-upping them this year, right? Yep. And honestly, I don't think they should because the, half the point in a quarterback on his rookie contract is that rookie contract. The sooner you give that away, the worse for you as an organization, Right, not just because you lose the value of that year one, but you also increase the potential that it's a Carson Wentz or a Jared Goff, and in a couple of years' time you regret it. So, like, the, what's the downside in hanging on for a year? The only downside is you make a quarterback a little bit butthurt, and he already appears to be that. So you can't make it worse. So screw it. Just but say no. Nah. This is where I struggle. The human element—they're not just. They're not just chess pieces. They're not just... You, you've, like, flipped on this. You were Mr. No-touchy-feely, and now you're all like, oh, you can't, like, you can't he, leave him players, hanging. players are start, like, you know, kids these days. Just blame the kids. Uh-huh. Like, dude, can, he's going to go on Instagram. He's going to delete you again. Could you imagine, like, what's going to happen when Gen Z's, you know, up for contracts? Dude, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy. I'm just kidding. I'm not... <clears throat> as a Zennial, I'm not going to sit here and look down upon the next generation. I'm just saying every generation has to be handled a little bit differently, huh. right? You know how much money the Cardinals have right now in cap space? Negative what? I only raise it because it's a funny number. What's that? They have $2,186. Really? Yeah. <laughs> what can you do with that? <laughs> you could probably sign me. You, you, that's, a, that's a AAA salary right there. I mean, look, as a, as a I signing bonus. I made $2,150 I'll take a it month. as a signing AAA. bonus, you know? I'm going re- to need some more incentives, right? Yeah. The... Uh, Likely to be earned. Right. But if you want to hand me a contract right now that gets me $2,186 on signing, I'll take it. Yeah. So there's not a ton of space right now. But again, you know, that, that number is effectively meaningless. Like they get free up $80 million worth of stuff by restructures and things. Does the, but like the, the, the quarterbacks that you've invested in that have struggled in that making it worthwhile environment is, is like a Carson Wentz. Yeah. Is Kyler going down this this road where he's a little sensitive the 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 things that are coming out about him as a leader is that just is that just coming from the team I don't know, but is like, there truth there to me or is it like once he gets paid you're good he'll I, be fine to me everything that's come out has made me less inclined to pay him not more like if that was Agreed. the strategy you know let's let's cause a fuss right <laughs> let's let's start making some noise let's start creating a bit of a you know a bit of a fury and then that'll make them pay us and then we're good. If that was the strategy, to me it was terrible. Because if I'm the Cardinals and I'm looking at this payout, every single thing that they've done so far has made me less inclined to pay him money now than it would have been but, if he just shut the hell up. But the problem is, 
when he comes out and says something and you're less inclined to pay him, it's not like his value goes down. No. But it his just value is forty million or zero. Right. But it but you have you don't need to do it now. That's what I'm saying, right? It just means that the this has always been about time scale. The Cardinals want to do this next year, they want to do it this year. And all I'm saying is everything they've done to try and make it this year, if I'm the Cardinals, has made me less inclined, not more inclined. So job number one is you sit on your hands and do nothing in terms of a Kyler Murray extension for True. at least another year. All right, so we're doing nothing. He'll deal with it. Now, looking at the current roster, the receiving core, which was pretty cool last year, right? A.J. Green comes in, plays better than he did the previous year. Christian Kirk had best year of his career. Uh, pretty much as that two-slash-three option, both of those guys are free agents. Mm-hmm. All of your tight ends are free agents. Max Williams coming off his injury. <coughs> Zach Ertz. You have no tight ends. You have one starter to replace on the offensive line. Both running backs are free agents. Every skill position. The only skill position players that you have are DeAndre Hopkins. Good one. Rondell Moore. That's good. Yep. Antoine Wesley and Andy Isabella. They have given Andy Isabella permission to seek a trade. He is. And as much as I loved Andy Isabella, I can't imagine the trade value is <laughs> high. What do you think they get back for? Uh, release papers. Oh, yes. Okay. Release papers. I see. So if Isabella hasn't emerged to this point, yeah, maybe he does next time, but I'll sign him and John Ross all day and see what happens. What if I have both of those guys in camp battling it out for a wide receiver six on my team? That's yeah. right. I'm carrying six receivers okay. no matter what. They'd be in camp for me every single year. Uh, defensively, Chandler Jones, Robert Alford, as far as starters, hitting for agency. It's not, it's not a ton to replace, but you also want to upgrade that unit. Um, I still don't have a ton of faith in the cornerback room there. So, I mean, there's, there's work to do yeah. in Arizona, but pretty much receiver, tight end, running back, all need to be addressed here. Yeah, and receiver, I think, is like receiver slash tight end would be first and foremost. Like what made that team so dangerous last year was when they had all those healthy receivers and – you couldn't cover them all. Um, Rondell Moore, DeAndre Hopkins, good start, but you definitely need that second major option so that you can't just clamp down on DeAndre Hopkins. And particularly in this offense that doesn't move receivers around, right? It's easier to do that than it is in other offenses where you have to suddenly, like on the fly, figure out where Devontae Adams is and then roll the coverage in his direction, right? And he can be in the slot. When it's New Hopkins, you know where he's going to be. You can design the entire game plan around knowing that he's going to be at left wide receiver basically every snap. So I think for the Cardinals, more than basically any other team, that means you need that other guy on the other side to be dangerous enough to win one-on-one. And right now there's nobody capable of doing that unless you're projecting a significant leap in terms of Rondale Moore's development. So, I mean, they're going to have to stitch it together. In free agency, because I think I think Christian Kirk's going to be out of their price range. Somebody's going to pay Kirk. I, maybe bring AJ Green back on a similar deal, but again, that's this isn't that's not like taking you to the next level. That's just kind of getting back to where you were. Not even, um, and definitely not even necessarily. You have pick number twenty three. There could be some value there as far as receiver goes for the Cardinals. Um, but this isn't exactly not to compare Kyler to Carson Wentz again. It's not exactly the same situation, but Kyler just had his best year, his best year at things that he wasn't great at before, thrown at the intermediate level and all that stuff, and it coincided directly with the best year that he had all these playmakers, right? Now, you could say it's natural progression, and it's natural roster-building progression, 
But I don't want to see what happens if you don't give him that, right? Like, just like I don't want to see Josh Allen without one of the best receiving groups in the NFL. I don't want to see that. Um, I don't want Dallas to not have one of the best receiving groups when they did, right? And say, oh, here, here's a little bit more pressure on you, Dak, elevate these other guys. So I think Arizona's got to go all out on this group. Maybe you could get Max Williams back cheap at tight end. Um, Ertz was a nice addition late, but he's not the dude you're building around or anything. So I think within the draft, receiver, tight end, I mean, that could be two, three of your first picks right away. Maybe doubling up on all those positions, even after drafting Rondell last year. Because I don't think Rondell's a two. He's your, he's your gimmicky type player, right? I think he can be. The question is, do they see him that way? Like, I, I can definitely see a, a world where Rondell develops into a two and has this much bigger role. But you need still to... such like a small catch radius for the even yeah. for like, a, uh, like an uber slot receiver and all that but you stuff. need to project him to that like if they're not even mm-hmm. if that's not even on the table then it's you know it's kind of pointless talking about it but i think there's a world where that could be the case um they got to get creative in free agency i'm bringing in will fuller taking that will fuller shot <laughs> what will fuller and deandre hopkins get them back together i think i gave fuller the cardinals last year and every other team all right take a shot on fuller it's not. I don't love the tight end group in free agency, um, but given how successful Zach Ertz was, I'd be I, if they can get him back, they should absolutely try and do that. Um, you know, Max Williams was doing well before he went down. Like, if they could get one of those guys back, I think that would actually be quite important. And it doesn't feel like either one of them should break the bank. Um, receiver is trickier. I think that's definitely an area where they want to hit the draft. But Again, if you can find a lower-down guy, Russell Gage is another one of those guys that feels perfect for this team, a guy that can be – he can replace what you lost in Christian Kirk and A.J. Green at the same time in one player. Yeah, I, mean, I, think, I think he's good. I don't know if T.Y. Hilton is going to play anymore. I think Hilton was another guy that I paired with the Cardinals last year where if he does – he's 32, like on a one-year deal. As you're trying to look to the future a receiver, I think T.Y. Hilton could do some damage in this offense as well. So I think you got to explore those low-end-ish free agent options and receiver and attack it in the draft. And tight end's not great anywhere. I mean, they, in, you, you don't, it's not a featured position in this offense, but the Ertz addition was really nice, as you said, having that middle-of-the-field option. I would try to get Max Williams back, though. I would definitely try to get him back. Yeah, I mean, I honestly don't even think it matters a huge amount which one you get back. I mean, obviously only one of them's coming off an injury, so that's, that might sway you, but... If you can get one of those guys back in the building, I think that's an important thing. And mentioned before, cornerback. So running back, it's another spot where Chase Edmonds is a free agent. James Conner is a free agent after he signed a one-year, $1.75 million contract last year and had an 82 grade, was fantastic. Do that again. Find the next running back that you could sign for under $2 million a year and put him in this offense where they've, they've done a pretty good job of creating – efficient runners in this offense you have kyler with the run threat you have a decent offensive line a good scheme that generally puts the backs like just don't pay backs replace them yeah the same way they did with james connor last year grab the last guys available in free agency and make them good fine um cornerback needs to be addressed though too they got pretty good play out of robert Alford last year marco wilson drafted had some you know showed some promise but i don't think you want to roll into next year with him as a starter like they need two corners malcolm butler retired on them last year and i think that hurt 
their depth. It didn't hurt them as much as I thought it would defensively. They did a nice job yeah. hanging in there, but man, it's still a place that needs to be addressed. I spent all last year thinking that that eventually the cornerback thing was going to come back and bite them in the ass, and it didn't. But I'm still not convinced that it won't next year. You yeah, know what I mean, agreed. And and I don't know that it, we mentioned for other teams, you know, Carlton Davis and. J.C. Jackson, I don't think they need to break the bank for a number one corner. But if you're talking short term, get a Steven Nelson in there on the cheap that could play well in that system. Uh, Bryce Callahan, I mean, Callahan would be a little redundant to, I think, Byron Murphy playing in the slot. But um, this is the wrong Brian Allen here. On the other hand, if they have somehow discovered the secret to getting good cornerback play from not good corners, then they've like stolen a march in the rest of the NFL and should exploit that. Maybe Dante Jackson could fit there. I mean, think about these guys look like they're upgrades over what they've had. Yeah, so I'd look at, I would look at that top 75 or so free agent board for us at PFF. I'm going to send a note to Austin if you want to talk here. We got the wrong uh, image here. Hmm. Okay, so our solution for Arizona is bringing back at least one of Max Williams and Zach Gertz. We really, I really like Russell Gage being added to this offense, still hitting the draft. Gage. Max Williams and Ertz, yeah, okay. I mean, one, one or one, or the one of Ertz or Max Williams, whoever the remaining running back is, and Gage. I don't. I mean, running and back or a fifth rounder. Yes, running back. I don't care. Draft a guy in the fourth, fifth round. Just, just trying to mention. We mention running back once or twice on the show. Draft him in the mid rounds, profit, um, and then we need a corner from somewhere. And again, that could be the draft. That could be free agency. They don't have a ton Perfect. of money to spend, but they have enough room that they can bring in somebody like that. All right, fixed. Yeah. On to the Rams. Let's fix the Los Angeles Rams. Okay. They're perfect. Well done. Hmm. Super Bowl champs. A lot of people leaving, though. Uh, it sounds like they're close yeah. to bringing back Von Miller. Even Von though Miller's he's playing this well. He's doing, a, he's doing a good job of his own you know, publicist slash agent. Uh, tweeting, maybe, yeah. maybe I want to go back. Denver, maybe I want to go back like to Denver. Denver now they got keywords. Russ. That's what I'm saying. He's doing a good <laughs> job. Way better than Kyler's agent. I mean, part of the Rams... Strategy too again is they get a lot of comp picks because they have let players walk. Yeah, right. As long as, as much as they said, oh, we're not picking in the first round, they've let other veterans walk, picked up comp picks. That's they're how they draft a lot. Vaughn would be a part. Uh, Vaughn would get you a fifth. Yeah, they're in this world where the Bucks were last year of the draw of running it back is really powerful. Like players individually it want is. to be part of a team that just won the Super Bowl and has a shot of repeating. And creating history and or just, you know, the way like naturally the way everybody's brain works in terms of the NFL. It's like everything is the same as a year ago, only whatever you do differently now. Right? Yeah, right. So if you're right. every player there is like we're the best team in the NFL last year. So we're the favorites to win the Super Bowl again. Right. So we're right? definitely going to win it. So like this is the best spot. Like nowhere has a better chance of winning a Super Bowl than this team right here. So, yes, I'll resign. Give me the give me the document. I'll sign it right now. So there is a decent chance that they get to bring back a lot of these guys the way the Bucks did a year ago. I mean, nobody's ever run it back the way Tampa Bay did, but it wouldn't shock me at all if they figured out a way of bringing back OBJ and Von Miller and maybe, you know, one of those offensive linemen that's going to hit um, free agency and, you know, maybe even a Darius Williams. Like, it's not beyond the realms of possibility. Uh, the Rams this year have eight draft picks, five of which are comp picks. Mm-hmm. They have pick number 99. That's their first pick, a, a compensatory pick. They don't have their first real pick until 173. Sure. Which is great. Um, but you're right. I mean, they, there is, the, uh, unfortunately, the OBJ injury 
from a team building standpoint for the Rams might actually work in their favor if, if his market's going to be suppressed just a little bit. Right. So they, they could get OBJ back. Don't forget Robert Woods is coming back off of injury. Robert now, Woods is coming back. In theory, Tutu Atwell will be a part yeah. going forward. And remember last year at this time, it was like, okay, they've got Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. They drafted Tutu, At- Tutu Atwell. Yep. And they signed Deshaun Jackson. It was like, all right, yeah, this, this is – this is PFF NFL podcast type of stuff here. Mm-hmm. Flood the field with, with playmakers. And even though Deshaun J- Jackson didn't work, well, OBJ did yeah. you know, for their run. So bring him back on the cheap. I think you can, you can do some, some stuff there. The other part that's going to be really important, they're probably going to have to replace three starters on the offensive line. Have we heard anything from Whitworth yet? I was just thinking that. I haven't. I think we just assumed he was going to retire, and then there hasn't been any talk of that, right? Yeah, can you text him or something and just find out if we should talk about him? Uh, probably not right now. Anyway, Brian Allen at center and Austin Corbett right guard. They're both hitting free agency. The other part is, if Whitworth comes back, David Edwards at left guard and Rob Havenstein at um, right tackle, all those guys only have one year left on their contract. Whitworth is still weighing retirement, but he's staying in shape, working out with Note Boom and David Edwards. That's me, minus the staying in shape part. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. Um, not that 2023 might matter here. Like zero offensive linemen are under contract for 2023 for the Rams, including backups. Sorry, Drake Jackson is under contract for 2023. Great. So <clears throat> with those eight draft picks starting at number 99 overall, they probably have to draft three offensive linemen. And this, is, and this was part of their strategy that got them to this place. Or like one of the really important run-it-back type of deals would be if you could re-sign Joseph Nopoon, who – True. Okay, very limited sample size, but in a few games starting for Whitworth late in the year, it looked like he was a really good left tackle. He hits could, free agency. as yeah. you know. So if you can get him back, that's potentially like an absolute steal for them. I assume the market looks at Nopum as a sixth offensive lineman. So yeah, yeah bring but, him back. For, like, yeah. but based off a couple of games, right, you, the Rams could easily project him. Like if he's our starter for Whitworth, if, he, if we get a seamless transition from Andrew Whitworth, a left tackle, to Joseph Nopum, and he actually ends up being decent, that is like – that's a game changer for them. Part of the Rams strategy, finding David Edwards and Brian Allen as in the middle rounds as starters, making a, a, a trade for Austin Corbett, the, the, the beautiful third-year breakout player that hasn't done anything, you know, making a trade. So putting together that offensive line um, with that strategy in mind, it's like time to execute that again for the Rams. So it's time to get those first contract offensive linemen again. So that's going to probably have to happen. No boom. In the draft. Um, basically, he played you know, right tackle or swing tackle in the past, and then this season he ends up with uh, four games, essentially, where he played a decent number of snaps at left tackle. Sorry, three games at left tackle, uh, one of which zero pressures allowed across uh, 36 pass-blocking snaps. The next one, one pressure allowed, a hurry across 15, uh, and the third of which in the playoffs, one hurry allowed, one pressure, one hurry uh, from 42 pass-blocking snaps. Pretty good. So, yeah, again, look, it's it's ridiculously small sample sizes. It's two and a half games, right? But these are the, basically the first two and a half games where he was allowed to play at his college position and looked good doing it. So if the Rams can convince him to, you know, hey, Joe, come back. Well, he it. might be their starter. He That's might, what I'm he, saying. He might be their starter for so if they can, somewhat on the cheap. If they yeah. can convince him to run it back and sign back at the team for, like, nothing – it, it's potentially a really big deal for them. Did we have a projected contract on Noteboom? Let me search. Um, I'm searching over at PFF.com, all of our free agent 
our free agent board, our list here. Yeah, Zach, I mean, Zach, Brad projected him at one year, $4 million. Right. Nope. So give him a shot. If you get him back for that. All Ahead four. of uh, Korafor, who just made a ton of money. Is that, does that happen? Oh, is, <laughs> is potentially going to make a ton of money. <laughs> We're not supposed to know that? I, I, I don't remember. know. Uh, I, I, he's projected four years, $10 million, So that's what I'm looking at. Yeah. Chikwumar Korafor from the uh, Steelers. Projected to make four years, $10 million on PFF.com. Uh, by the way, all PFF subscriptions, 25% off. Using the promo code NFLPOD. Uh, between that and then sending me your screenshot of the Daily and the NFL podcast that you subscribe to both, you have opportunities to get in on our PFF subscriptions here at PFF.com. Either 25% off with NFL Pod or send me those screenshots and you could win the free PFF Edge subscription. What else for the Rams here? Cornerback two is a question for the second straight year. They let Troy Hill walk last year. Darius Williams hits free agency this year. Is it next man up? David Long? Or is it uh, trying to bring Darius Williams back? System familiarity. I think somebody in the chat mentioned Rasul Douglas. That could be an intriguing one. Similar system, Packers and Rams. That's where Douglas had that success. Again, I don't know where Douglas's market is going to be. Yeah. But that could be an intriguing one for the Rams as well, free agency. I mean, honestly, the Rams have the same playbook as Tampa Bay last year. Like, their priority should be bringing back every single player on this roster um, and trying to keep it intact because their capacity to replace players that they don't bring back is not huge, right? They don't yeah. have a ton of money to spend, and they don't have draft picks beyond, you know, the low rounds, which isn't to say they won't get contributors with those picks, but it's very difficult to project who they would be. You know what I mean? Did Eric Weddle re-retire? Yeah. He's just, he's back to the Peloton? Uh-huh. Okay. Just making sure. Yeah, yeah. Because they've done, again, the Rams have done a really good job of finding starters at linebacker, at safety, in the middle rounds. Got to continue that. Continue to get the lower, I mean, get the offensive linemen in the middle rounds, get some defensive depth in the middle rounds, and uh, just keep that team-building strategy. Go get them, Rams. And Matthew Stafford, Super Bowl champion. Run it back with them. Mm. Sound good? They're also going to be extending Stafford. Um, yeah, he's only got one year left. Redoing his contract, his contract. Which might actually free up a decent chunk of uh, cap space. Yeah, be I'm sure. Well, they'll, they'll need to because they're third worst, third lowest Cap space. The cap space numbers as of right now, it's like all the top teams in the NFC plus the Vikings. Yeah. So it's the Bucks, Vikings, Rams, Saints, and Packers. It's all the teams that had a top quarterback or whatever and you know, made a run, and then the Vikings, who had a decent quarterback and didn't make a run. Mm. Just saying. All right. We fixed the Rams? Yeah. They're already doing great. Keep it up. Keep up the great work. That was easy. San Francisco 49ers before we fix the Seahawks. Uh-oh. So the Niners... Starting with trade and Jimmy G? Yes. He's out. Yeah. To the Colts, right? I mean, Oh, one thing the Rams also need to do is uh, promote Zach Robinson to call the plays. Okay. And then one thing the Niners need to do is promote Bobby Sloak to play caller. Just forget about McVay. Forget, forget about Shanahan. Let the PFFers call plays and run the show. Okay. Right? Sure. Don't you think? I mean, yeah. That's what I would do. All right. Anyone with PFF experience should be a play caller. Myself yeah. included. <laughs> We're getting rid of Jimmy G to the Colts, right? Uh, yeah. And that makes that's where he's going, presumably. The Colts are now in a situation where they have no quarterbacks. Jimmy G is the next one up in terms of availability. They don't have a first rounder to give us. Yeah. But you don't need one because it's Jimmy G. What's Jimmy his G. value? Second rounder? Yeah. So that makes sense, right? Jimmy G to the Colts, done. 
And I'll put Trey Lance in a starter. Yep. All right. Building around Trey Lance. Now you need some guards. You do need some guards because Lakin Tomlinson hits free agency. Daniel Brunskill hits free agency. They did draft Aaron Banks last year with an eye toward this, I think. Um, I, do in, I do love that as a team-building strategy when you have players you know, looking a year ahead, right? So presumably Banks will start, step in as a starter. He didn't look like the best scheme fit. But, all right, let's just say he's going to take one of the starting spots. Got to go somewhere else in free agency there. Could bring Brunskill back. I don't know if he's going to make a ton of money there. Sure. And he's been pretty good there. Tomlinson will probably get paid. Yeah. Because um, there are <clears> – <throat> the Dolphins will probably look at him. Guys that are – people that are familiar with him or run the Shanahan tree. Tomlinson's really emerged um, after a slow start to his career with Detroit. He's become a pretty good guard. Trent Williams' grade is hilarious in that it's actually a darker shade of blue. It's so high. Like, I didn't realize there was a darker yeah. shade of blue. George Kittle and Debo Samuel's really good blue grades on the yeah. depth chart we're looking at, they look good. Like you cross 90. But Trent Williams looks much darker. You cross 90, you hit that, you know, elite blue grade, right? It's a, it's just a scale from a heat scale from red, which is bad, up to green, which is good. But then when you hit elite, it's that blue chip, you know, special color. I didn't realize there was an extra darker ocean depth blue that only Trent Williams resides in. You need to pay attention, man, because there it is. Uh, Roger Saffold's free at guard. Bring he's also Saffold. like doesn't really have a shoulder and stuff. Yeah, he's much getting that's, older. Much that's the best uh, solution. He's getting older, so you need starting guards there. Uh, but your your playmakers are intact. We got to re up Debo say, uh, soon. He's got one year left. McGlinchey got to re up McGlinchey soon. The old man, he might be over the hill though. Hmm. He's you know getting into his forties now. What was that? Somebody credit to uh, one of our listeners that that tagged us as McGlinchey was talking about how he loves Matchbox Twenty. Right. Who, by the way, I celebrate their entire catalog. Big Matchbox the Twenty. Entire fan. catalog. Entire catalog. I mean, the, some late stuff wasn't great. Yeah, I've stopped recently. Yeah. But uh, their first three albums, at least. Celebrated their entire catalog I mean, for a some, while. There's some banging tunes there. So I can relate to McGlinchey. He's just a good Gen Xer like us. Um, old millennial, whatever you want to call it. That's McGlinchey. Hmm. You know, the it's fact that he's outlasted Andrew Whitworth is impressive. Like We talk about Whitworth a lot, being 40, playing tackle. McGlinchey's outlasted him, presumably, if Whitworth retires. think. But McGlinchey's, it's impressive what he's done. For a guy who went to college at the same time as us in the early 2000s. Technically only 27, turns out. Oh. We're not going to keep up the shtick that McGlinchey's pushing 40 like we I mean, are? We can keep up the shtick. I, just, I think it's, it's, it's worth pointing out that he is, in fact, only Oh, we should probably tell our listeners, for real, McGlinchey's not that old. Yeah. Anyway, um, the offense is pretty well intact here. Sure. They'd be a great team to snag a guy like Austin Corbett and try and steal <laughs> steal somebody off a division rival in like addition Corbett. to sol- you know solidifying a guard spot for you. Yeah. Um, try to bring Raheem Mostert back at running back. Okay. Because because uh, speed, I want all the speed on this offense. Right. All right. Give me all the speed with Trey Lance running I mean, look, zone read stuff. If it doesn't cost much, fine. Like this yeah. is. This team, more than any other in the NFL, should understand how much you don't need to pay running backs anything, and yet for some reason they're the team that goes out of their way to throw resources at running back. So biggest focus here I think is going to be defensive line depth, but the real biggest focus is corner, the entire secondary really. Jaquiski Tart hits free agency. Jason Verrett is free once again. again. And uh, K1 Williams, their slot corner. So only have Emmanuel Mosley and Jimmy Ward. The two out of the five starters, Ambry Thomas, did a decent job filling in last year at corner as a rookie. 
maybe he competes for a starting spot, but you got to get better at corner, I think, if you're the Niners. They did a nice job overall last year. I thought it'd be much worse, but I think that's the weak spot right now. Yeah, and remember, they don't have a first-round pick because they traded it away to Miami right. for Trey Lance. So, you know, job number one is make sure Trey Lance is good because uh, you <laughs> traded the farm for him. So they don't have a first-round pick to address that. Um, I think you could snag a guy like Austin Corbett for moderate money. What do we got in projected answer right now? Four years, $10 million a year on average, which seems fair for a guy like that. Plug him in as one starter, and then you could probably try and find a starting corner in free agency and then leave yourself with whatever you can find in the draft. Who are you drafting again, would you say? I said they don't have a first-round pick. Did you say anything in the second round? I haven't got to the second round. Okay, good. I zoned out for a minute. Nice. I was thinking about how we ran into uh, John Lynch the other night. And we're like, hey, good to see you, John. Yeah. And, you know, he's probably going to call us up after the show. He thanked us for everything that PFF does. He did. I don't know if he'll remember a single word from that conversation. The man seemed like Certainly he'd uh, taken a drink or two on board. Yeah. I was trying to, like, get that story in without sounding like a loser. Like, oh, <laughs> John Lynch thinks we're great. Yeah. How did you manage it? Did it work? No, you did well. Okay. I think, you know, I set you up to do it. Nice. So the Let's other— run running into John. My, it turns out my strategy for the 49ers this offseason is essentially to target Rams players and yeah. take players away from them Darius Williams, to you at the same time. Austin Corbett, get right. him in there. So Austin Corbett, Darius Williams, according to our contract projections, they're both in the $10, $11 million a year range. Snag them both. Casey Rams Hayward, are worse, man. you're better. I think Casey Hayward. Ooh. Right? Because if you're the Niners, you can win this year. Right? You're in the mix sure. to win. Casey Hayward feels like one of those one-year type of deals. Um because you have so much, I, I think you need multiple resources at corner. You do, you're going to want to attack it in the draft, get low-end free agents, maybe a high-end free agent, but I think Hayward, Hayward would be a good one-year option there. Bright, if you're going to replace K1 Williams in the slot, that's where Bryce Callahan could come in. It's been one of the better. He didn't have a great year last year, but he's had multiple years of really good play in the slot. Bryce Callahan could be nice. And that's the, is this the wrong, what is this? Yeah, we just have a bug in the free agent board that is putting the wrong Brian Allen up there. Great. Not the center, the corner. We should definitely uh, highlight that to all the listeners. Well, that'll get them on the page, right? Go check out the bug on Go the free agent Go check out page. the mistake. Clickbait. Free agent. Clickbait. Okay. Everything else is right. And the board's pretty cool. Shows the player, shows their projected contract, season grade, their war ranking over the last couple of years. It's the only place we show war. Maybe the, uh, board. Maybe the 49ers will be in the perfect spot to grab Tariq Woolen, the freakish combine superstar oh uh, with the insane workout numbers like maybe that's the the zone for him i like wool in there i would take him second my, my issue with that though is uh, i i would rather take him if i'm the team that has other first round picks but like if he's my first pick at 61 and then you don't pick again until 93 and they do have eight total picks the niners so they have volume they're just only two in the top 100 woolen's a little risky for me maybe if i'm the niners at 61 but other teams that have better, higher draft capital, I like. I like that better. Okay. It's an intriguing name, though. Um, what else about the other thing to fix the Niners is um, we're going to run the ball a lot more with Trey Lance and just you know, run more misdirection. Schematically, we're, we're going to build around his skill set just to make sure. Okay. Just throwing that in there that that's happening. Oh. What else needs to happen? The 49. Would you not love to see in this offense that yes. has Kyle Juszczyk, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, Juwan Jennings, these weird, freakish athletes. You see where I'm going with this? Yeah. Yeah? Would you not love to see... Patterson. Cordero Patterson in this backfield. Yes. Do it. Make it happen. Uh Uh-huh. 
Just pay him running back money, not receiver money. You text Bobby right now. They need to go after Cordero Patterson you guys and stuff need... him in that backfield and just watch magic happen. Yeah, you talk to the people here. I'm going to talk. It's to like people. the you know the Infinity Stones, right? When you collect all of them, suddenly like half the world explodes. Like when the 49ers get all of those ridiculous athletes that don't exist anywhere else in the league, put them all in the same formation at the same time. Yes. Boom. The defense just evaporates into dust, and you walk in for a touchdown every every play. Two R's in Cordero. Oh, God. I can only stall for so much time. You actually need to be able to type out a guy's name in the time it's I'm giving enough. you. I got it. Yeah. I got it. I got it. You should have just put CPA4. No, he's not that well-known. He is not that well-known yet. Of course he is. He is not. Cordero Patterson going to the Niners. Hmm. Fixed. Done. We only have one last team to fix. Excellent. It's a challenging one. It's the Seahawks. Mm. Well, don't worry. They've got Jamal Adams. When you stack up the Adams trade and the Wilson trade, it doesn't look great. It doesn't. I don't know why. Like, why it doesn't, but why would you do that? Like, it's not like they're connected. No, they're not. Because people are trying to say, like, over the last three years, here are the moves that yeah. Seattle made. Yeah, but like, there are some trades this. where that makes sense, right? Where one sort of led on to the other one directly, and it kind of makes sense to net them out, right? Like Carson Wentz. Trading for Carson Wentz and then trading away Carson Wentz. I understand why you would net out that draft capital and sort of this is what <laughs> it costs, essentially, for a year of Carson Wentz. But, like, here's a random trade Seattle made for Jamal Adams, and then a little bit later they trade away Russell Wilson. Here's what it nets out at. Like, Okay, but that they're completely disconnected. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just you're evaluating the regime. Which we were already, like, it, there's no point in sort of highlighting it to say, oh, well, it turns out the Jamal Adams, breaking news, the Jamal Adams trade was bad for the Seahawks. Oh, really? Well, I'm glad we finally settled on that because I was confused up until now. Now that I've seen the Russell Wilson trade, all of a sudden the Jamal Adams trade has become clear that it was yeah, terrible. I mean, it. You're, I mean, the moves have to be made, evaluated in isolation. Um, necessary move for the Seahawks to move on from Russ and start the rebuild. Necessary? Yeah. No. So was it the right move? I'm, I could see an argument for it. I mean, I think, again, we'd reached, it was the first time where I think this was even on the table. Yeah. Where for the first time, Seattle would have been looking at this and saying, you know what? I don't know if we can win the way we are right now with Russell Wilson. Like, Russ might have been getting pissed off for a while, right? Just slowly seething with behind his mask of, like, bland pleasantness, you know? Just getting more and more bitter behind the facade that he puts in front of the camera for, like, years. But for the first time, I think behind Seattle... his facade of bland. <laughs> but for the what? first time, I think Seattle might have been looking at this and saying, you know what, if an offer comes in, it might actually make sense to take it. And it did. So they did. Um, so I think... Yeah, look, it, it was going to be hard to put it back together with Russell Wilson there. It, it's going to be hard to put it back together without Russell Wilson there, but at least you've got some draft picks and you, you start over. It's a full rebuild. So the, going into yesterday when they made this trade for Russ, uh, they were not going to pick until 42. And so they would have had one, two, three, four, five, five, five picks total after picking three times last year. Now they're up to eight draft picks. They have nine 41 and 42 now, so three picks in the top 42. Um, and it, like I said, the eight total. So it's a completely different world for Seattle. Um, their first-round draft picks over the last decade are not great when they've selected in the first round. Sure, They've also used their first-rounders not only to trade for Jamal Adams, 
but to trade for guys like Percy Harvin, for like guys like Jimmy Graham. You know, they were the original, maybe, Rams, you know, give up the picks strategy. F10 picks? Yes. Give up the picks strategy that uh, didn't pay off, really, for, for, the, for the Seahawks. But um, given their history now with Russell Wilson and how much they wanted to run the ball and play defense and all that stuff, are they looking at Malik Willis at nine and building that run game around his skill set and playing their type of ball? Because it's a, it's, a, it's a fascinating roster, Sam. Do they, they have one of the best wide receiver duos in the NFL. Rumors that uh, Tyler Lockett and his over $17 million per year contract are on the market. Um, but you have DK and Tyler Lockett as a starting point. You only have two starters returning on the offensive line. The defense has not been great over the last few years. There's a lot of holes here that need to be filled. But it's got to be, you know, what's, what does this rebuild look like in Seattle, starting with that pick at number nine? You know the way we sort of, the sliding door stuff of like, what if Bill Belichick never had Tom Brady, right? What, what would his career look like? like yeah. How much is he a problem? Like, start thinking about Pete Carroll minus Russell Wilson for a second, right? Obviously, you've got USC Pete Carroll and stuff, but you've got the Pete Carroll that was in the NFL the first time around, didn't go so great. Then you've got a couple of years before they basically stumbled ass backwards into Russell Wilson, which is like the last year of Matt Hasselbeck. Okay, fine. Then you've got let's roll with Tavares Jackson as the answer, right? Yeah. Didn't go so well. These, those are both seven and nine years. And then you've got 2012, which was supposed to be wasn't that Matt Flynn? Wasn't he Matt supposed Flynn. to be the Signed starter? Matt Flynn. Off the back of like one game where he lit up. But for reasonable money. It wasn't break the bag type of money. They didn't was, like say, Matt Flynn's the guy. It was pretty big money. I mean, it was big money for Matt Flynn. Yeah, I mean, Matt it was Flynn. big money for anybody. Matt Flynn stealing money. Not like Bruce stole money, but definitely stealing some money. I mean, Matt Flynn stole quite a lot of money. That, not, somebody, not at Chase Daniel level. He tw- did you see somebody tweet him about this recently? So like he obviously... He made a comment about anything, right? And somebody was like, hey, remember that time you got handed like a giant sum of money and sucked for the?" And he was like, yeah, that was awesome. That was awesome, yeah. (laughs) Um, But like, so the plan, the the Carroll endorsed game plan was like Matt Flynn, based off this one game where he torched Detroit for the Packers, is going to be the starter and the answer. And then thankfully, Russell Wilson got drafted in the third round. And it turns out Russell Wilson is a hell of a lot better than Matt Flynn. So Flynn never got the chance to show that he was going to be the... But they deserve credit for Like, John Schneider deserves credit for that. He, he but Carroll doesn't. I mean, they, they make the decisions Also, together. again, like, how much credit do they deserve for a guy they drafted in the third round? They loved who him. Who wasn't a, supposed to start. They loved him as a first-round player. Did they? Yes. This is like, like oh, I, it, our friend, friend, frenemy of the show, Bill Polian, I had a first-round grade on Tom Brady back in the day. Oh, really? I don't believe Bill. Really, I Bill? believe... You think they had a first round pick? You think they had a first round grade yeah. on on Russ, and were prepared and to let him last the until the third they round? They played the draft. They they played patiently. I think that's staggering bullshit. There's not a chance. Yeah, they did. If you had a first round grade on a quarterback, you are never they letting that Bruce guy. Bruce Irvin in the first, sit to the third. Bobby Wagner in the second, and then Russ in the. Third. I can. I they can. Played the draft. I will see an argument Perfectly. that says I will let a first-round graded quarterback slip to the second. You, there's no way you're letting him slip to the third if you have a first-round That's round called grade intel, up. man. You know. You know no. what the league's doing. You know there's where the no league values way. that guy. You're making that he risk. He's too short. 
He ten years ago, the league hated short quarterbacks. Anyway, five eleven. My point is simply right that Russell Wilson has all of a sudden propped up this like history of disastrous <laughs> game plans at quarterback, which they now have to go back to. There's. Did you just? Was, was it you talking about this? There, there is this world where every time they put the ball in Russ's hands, they didn't win a ton. When they reeled it back in and they just worked, you know, run game, play action, they did win more and it coincided with the defense and all that stuff. I, maybe it's Eric had mentioned this. There is this world where the Pete Carroll era feels like when you put more on the quarterback, you win less. Yeah. When you do less with the quarterback, you win more. And, it's, and it's, it's a bit of a – it's not real necessary, but necessarily, but that's what they're feeling. It's complicated. Like it's not as simple as people want to make it out as right which is oh, i'll just let russ cook and it's not as simple as the narrative that hey when they take when they put more on russ's plate it doesn't work there it is this complicated relationship where they haven't been as successful when they've turned the ball over to russ overall he's not the kind of quarterback that exists in this world where you can just have him pass 50 times a game and everything's rosy he plays the game in a unique style that um, create certain issues within an offense. And generally, if he has to pass the ball, you can't run the same game plan that you have for Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady with Russell Wilson. Now, that doesn't mean you can't also lean on him the same kind of way. It's just a different style or scheme that has to function that way. And I don't think Seattle ever figured out how that relationship works. Now, we're gonna be, it's going to be interesting to see if Denver can, right? with Nathaniel Hackett there, like, can they craft yeah. a game plan that maximizes what Russ does without taking the ball out of his hands? But Seattle could never quite figure out that balance. So I, I think Seattle's, I think they might be in the Malik Willis camp here because okay. you could build this run game around them and make the same play that the Niners are making. Build this run, like, you could build an incredible run game around Malik Willis and and develop that arm talent and all that, rebuild your offensive line to run block because they've been trying to do that for years anyway. Dwayne Brown sent left uh, both tackles. Dwayne Brown and Brandon Schell are free agents. Centers, Kyle Fuller, Ethan Pochich, both, both free agents. So you got a lot of work to do on the offensive line that hasn't been good in recent years anyway. Yeah, your line sucks. Any years. If you're going to build more of a run-first attack, Tyler Lockett probably be, does become more expendable, right, at receiver. and you, I mean, if if... And they released Bobby Wagner. On the same day, they traded Russ mm-hmm. and released Bobby Wagner. Almost friend of the show. And so the same day, like, it's a whole new world in Seattle. Steve Largent's not walking through that door. He's not. No one else. It's just a whole new group of players. Nor should he. I just don't, I'm, I'm fascinated to see this. Because I think Seattle has not been good from a roster team-building standpoint the last few years. I mean, years. they've done what the Vikings did. They just they started earlier, right? They've been deteriorating they have since the Legion of Boom. They haven't been good in recent years. However, this is the same group from John Schneider and Pete Carroll that got this thing going. You know, maybe they work better as underdogs, right? Maybe they work better <laughs> they when work. they don't have the court. I don't know. I'm just saying. I, I, I'm, I'm interested to see what this looks like. I'm interested to see where they go because maybe they work they're starting over again. As underdogs. Yeah, maybe they do. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody said, like, uh, it'd be the most Pete Carroll thing ever to trade Russ just because like, he's bringing bad energy or something like that <laughs> rather than his actual on-field play. I don't know. We'll see where it goes. We didn't think this was going to happen because Pete Carroll's getting old. Yeah. Obviously, he's, he's embracing it. 
That or maybe that's they're amazing. just building around Drew Lock. Seventy whatever it is, P. Carroll, seventy whatever year old P. Carroll is prepared to go on like a full hardcore rebuild and tear this thing down, start over. Uh, particularly, as I said, it's not like they have a great record of, you know, consistently making smart moves. Outside, they basically had one stellar draft where they got all these guys in the first place, and they had Russell Wilson to lean on forever. Outside yeah. of that, it's like you know, all right. On top of all this, both starting corners, Sidney Jones and DJ Reed, who had pretty good seasons last year. We, we said, hey, look, this defense hasn't been good, but they got decent play out of those guys last year. They both hit free agency. Ugo Amadi and Jamal Adams are left in the secondary. Wagner's gone, who we, we mentioned. That leaves Jordan Brooks, Cody Barton. They've, they've at least tried to invest at linebacker the last couple of years to, to get ready for this. It's just, it's just a full rebuild in Seattle. So what is the answer here? No, under every rock, we're searching for a quarterback. So we're in that boat, just like the Colts, just like the Steelers. So are they making a move for a quarterback before the draft? Because they've been talked about in this bucket of, oh, is there, no, is there something else to come here? Are they going to be in the sweepstakes for one of these veterans? They can't be. This roster's not good. I mean, if, Russ, if they weren't winning with Russ, they're not winning with the next tier of quarterback. Okay. Right? They're not winning with Garoppolo. I mean, they're Garoppolo and Mariota or and you whoever. You surely can't run with Carr. You surely can't roll with Drew Locke for a year. No, I mean, look, I'm, they should get Drew Locke in return. He's got one year left on his contract. He's a backup. You're drafting a rookie. You're throwing him right in there. Yeah. You're saying, good luck, sir. And I'm, I'm interested in Malik Willis at nine for them. And then whoever else they like, if they, if they don't take somebody at nine, whoever else they take in the second round. Or if Willis is gone at nine. They just, the, Seattle has always made some of the most fascinating, I'm saying that in a very nice turn, fascinating first-round mm. picks. L.J. Collier and Rashad Penny, and they, even when Bruce Irvin was picked in 2012, like zero people right. at the time had Bruce Irvin going in the first round. Seattle always, you know, picks a unique player in the first round. So we get to see that again. They have a first-round pick again, and it's at nine. Um, so which quarterback do they love, or is, is there another position? If they go somewhere else, the corners for them as well, just because that fits a huge need. Um, they don't rush the passer very well still. I mean, this really sounds like our Panthers breakdown. Yeah. They don't have a lot. I mean, this was right a team now. that was letting down. Like, the, the roster overall was bad enough that Russell Wilson couldn't drag this team where it needed to go. Yeah. Now they don't have Russell Wilson, so they just have a bad roster. And if you embrace the full rebuild here, I, I, you probably put Tyler Lockett on the market and then figure out how to lock up DK. That's my feeling. Or you trade both of them and just get younger. I don't know. Supposed to fix them though. How are we fixing them? Uh, Malik Willis at nine. Okay. Building around Malik. Didn't you drink? No, you didn't give him to the, the Lions at two. I did not give him to the Lions. You, you're telling me the Lions are going to take him at two. I'm buzz. not buying that. A lot of buzz. Buzz. Talk. Going by the buzz. A lot of people saying it. What are we doing on the offensive line now for Malik Willis? <coughs> we need a complete offensive line. Where are we getting one from? If we take Malik Willis at nine. You got picks 41 and 42. There's probably a lineman to take at 41 or 42. There's probably a couple. Depth wise. That's not a bad place for, for offensive linemen. You go tackle there. and corner there. Or tackle and guard. I mean, tackle guard. Yeah. yeah. They're, again, they're another one of these teams that's in that marketplace for all of those viable starting offensive linemen in free agency, right? The Ben Jones of the world. The, Connor Williams. Yeah. The Andrew Norwells, Alex Kappas, Brian Allen, like Bozeman, if he makes it past, if the Ravens let him hit free agency. Like, these are the players. 
they and, can just well, come in and, and fill a job for a while. It, it's got to be guys that you're invested in for multiple years. You want hopefully younger players because, again, this is, this is rebuild time in Seattle, man. And the terrifying thing is, like, this is not a position they've been able to fix for, like, a decade. Yeah. So do something different. Go full George Costanza. Do the complete opposite of what your mind is telling you to do. Just do the opposite of what you've done. Other than the Dwayne Brown move. Save the offensive line for that a couple of years. Um, so we're just – the other thing you can do is take these eight picks. So if you don't love a QB, back to this trade-down strategy – Nine could be a sweet spot where uh, the Steelers, if they want Malik Willis, want to come up yeah. and get him or whatever. If if nine's a potential trade place, like two wasn't. I if don't think Pete Carroll wasn't so two. old, we would just say, look, they're they're in complete rebuild mode. Just punt. <laughs> so it is this weird dynamic, right? Where it's like, does he really want to go through this whole thing? I mean, they don't have a choice, right? Like you try, whatever about the Russell Wilson thing. The point where you immediately just drop kick Bobby Wagner out of there because he's it's sixteen done. million. That's a rebuild, right? Whatever about, like, yeah. again, you can, the Kirk Cousins Minnesota thing, that should be a rebuild, but apparently it isn't. So I think if you got rid of uh, Russell Wilson, you had some kind of plan for a quarterback, you could convince people this wasn't a rebuild. But where you get rid of Bobby Wagner just because he costs a lot, and it's not like you were right up against the wall in the salary cap, immediately that's like, no, this is being torn down here. We are reminded in the YouTube channel that the Seahawks have a ton of cap space. They're the top NFC team by a mile right. as far as cap space goes. So that's what I'm saying. At the point where you're getting rid of Bobby Wagner for cap space when you already had a ton of cap space, yeah. it's because the whole thing is being ripped to pieces. Like We are coming down to the foundations here and building it back up. But are you, use, are you using that money to win now? Like in 2013, they added Cliff Averill. It was awesome, right? They added the two top edge defenders on our free agent board, Cliff Averill and Michael Bennett. And that helped put him over the top, best, one of the best defenses of all time. Uh-huh. Are you getting win now, guys? Or is it all guys that have to, you know, to win no, 23 I, and 24? But I think you can, you can do a bit of both. Like, there's no reason that the Seahawks can't bring in a guy like Brandon Scherf, right? Which would be monster money. I like which, that, yeah. Which, who's 30 years old, so it's not like he's young. But 30 years old in today's NFL for an offensive lineman, he can have a full five-year contract and be good. That's more attractive if Russell Wilson's your quarterback. Of course it you is. You don't have that type of But you still need you still need to fix the offensive line. Like, if you're planning on drafting a rookie at nine, yeah. you, that guy needs something in front of him. This is like the Bears discussion, right? You need to put something in front of the guy to give him any kind of chance. So... Go out there and spend on offensive line. Bring in Brandon Scherf. Bring in Lakeland Tomlinson. Like, maybe you can steal from the division as well. Reunite with Mark Glowinski. Reunite with Mark Glowinski. Yeah. That's the plan. Because the old Seattle strategy of getting the great athlete who doesn't develop for five years but after he leaves your team. You should re-sign all those players. George Fant is actually quite good now. Yes. All the players. We'll trade you, for George Fant. The great athletes that you drafted that didn't develop within the four years that you had them. Yeah. Now they're all good for somebody else. Bring back George Fant, Mark Glowinski. Uh, the dude from Buffalo that had the great spark score. Dude from He's Buff- probably good now somewhere okay. in the XFL or something. Quentin Spain, get him over there. The, uh, Bring in Cornelius Lucas to play, uh, to play swing. George Fant played almost 900 snaps last year and allowed just 18 pressures. Yeah, he was much sack. better. Much improved. 75 pass blocking grade. Like, this is the player the Seahawks wanted when they played him, and instead he had a 42 grade for them. But that was, that was part of their miscalculation this entire time, was taking players like George Fant and saying, here, go – here, basketball player, go protect Russell Wilson's blind side yeah. while we teach you how to play football. Didn't go well. It didn't. But they were right. I mean, they were onto something. They found these great athletes who take four or five years to develop. You just don't get the, you don't get the payoff. Another team does. Anyway, 
Unless you get comp picks out of them. That's, sure. That was the grand strategy. We sh- yeah. No. No. Anyway, what else are we doing here in Seattle? I mean, as I said. 41 and 42. You could double up it on offensive line. Nine, I still want to trade down as much as possible and just, just add to the entire team. You're find definitely taking a quarterback like. in the first round. Yeah, find a QB you like. Okay. I'd trade down to the back end of the first round, take Desmond Ritter. All right. Trade down as much as possible. Ritter, multiple offensive linemen, corner. Who's, uh, who's, this, year's, um, who's this year's Matt Flynn, who had a great game that we can project into a, <laughs> into a monster contract? Colt McCoy had a great game. Colt McCoy. Colt McCoy beat Seattle with the Giants two years ago. Colt McCoy, he did. Right? You get that, like, I saw him play scouting. Yeah, yeah. Colt McCoy came in here, balled out. All right. In front of the 12s. I just did. I could see see Pete's press conference. I mean, Colt McCoy came in here. Uh. It balled out. 12s were were fired out. Now, the 12s weren't even there because it was 2020. 12s were at home yelling at their TV, and Colt McCoy is doing it against us. We're bringing him in. So, January the 1st. 2012, Matt Flynn started the final game of the season against the Detroit Lions. Six. Threw for 480 yards and six touchdowns in a 45-41 victory. How much money do you think that earned him from the Seattle Seahawks? It was like a $25 million deal or something. It was a three-year deal worth $20.5 million, nine of which was guaranteed. So he that's got, not, that's he not got a ton. $9 million from one game. Yeah, more than that, really, because he was on the roster. Right, yeah. but like guaranteed $9 million from one game. Yeah. That's right. Who who so Colt McCoy? We're giving Colt. There's gotta be there's gotta be like Plus one like random. when Pete was in college, Colt McCoy's like tearing it up, you know. That's true. Yeah. Did Probably he recruit did they, him? Did he did he take down USC? He didn't. He did not Back have that opportunity. Day. He would have though. You just know he would. But who's have. like the young there's gotta be one young quarterback that like lit it up last season for like half a game. Taylor Heineke. But no, nah, he had, he had a whole season. Had too much now. Bad play. Like CJ Bethard, number one grading quarterback oh, in the NFL based Bethard. off two snaps. They definitely saw him in San Francisco. He probably made a good pass against him once. Uh, there's really not much, unfortunately, in the offing here. You bring back Gino. Bring back Gino. Gino Smith's a free agent. Maybe they can, uh, maybe they can tempt the Has Texans. Josh Johnson ever been a Seahawk? Probably. Right? He's been everywhere else. Chances are. Yeah. Chances are he has. Maybe, uh, maybe they can tempt the Texans into parting with Davis Mills. There you go. Are they in the Jameis sweepstakes? God. Seattle. How come your... Your answer to Jameis is like happy for some teams and disgusted for others. Because it's just like a, it's an admission of like the the state of hopelessness you're in right now. It's like if Jameis Winston is actually the thing, I know, know who, the answer. It's like ugh. I know who Pete wants. Yeah, I know who he wants. Gardner Minshew. Oh wow. Josh Johnson has in fact not been a Seattle Seahawk so far. So he's due. So we're going to bring in Gardner Minshew and Josh Johnson. One That's of the our few QB teams room. that he has not played for. That's our QB room. Felipe Franks, get him in there too. He's played with the San Francisco 49ers three different times, but not really? the uh, the Seahawks. Not actually on the football field, though. I don't think. Let me look details. <sighs> Seattle, we've given you some options. None of which are good. I don't know. This is uh, embrace the rebuild, Seahawks fans, and uh, I'll be. Yeah, I'm interested to see it. I'd bring in Minshew though. The good news is there's no Matt Flynn for you to burn $9 million on or whatever $9 million adjusted you for inflation is. You can burn plenty of money on Minshew. Minshew. We've run our course here. Yeah, we're at, We're done. Are we exactly at two hours? We started late. Uh-oh. Not that late. Come on. It was a couple minutes We're waiting late. for you. 
waiting for you. Two hours ago, we started. We appreciate everybody for tuning in. A couple things to remember. The screenshot. I already have them coming in. So, look at this. Rob Sasso. He might win. Um, screenshot if you subscribe to the Daily and the PFF NFL Podcast. If you don't subscribe to the Daily, then you would have to go ahead and subscribe to it. Which, by the way, you know, it's great. Oh, it's only 10 minutes of us. It's not long form. It's the quick-hitting 10-minute version of Sam and Steve. And uh, so, we appreciate you doing that. And then... 25% off. We'll give that back to you off the uh, any PFF subscription using the promo code NFLPOD. And then don't forget my pinned tweet at PFF underscore Steve. Sam's pinned tweet at PFF underscore Sam for our charity drive. Appreciate everybody for tuning in. Next week, free agency. It's happening. They'll be tampering legally. I mean, we saw illegal tampering last week. The legal tampering starts mm. this weekend. Free agency next week. We'll be previewing it, reviewing, talking about all the news. So stick with us throughout the entire offseason. It's team-building season here on the PFF NFL Podcast. And now we're going to play out with the beautiful tribute to uh, the Oh, it's tribute time. Are we fired up over there? We got Villanueva tribute time? The great Alejandro Villanueva. (sighs) I was nervous about this. I knew this day would come at some point. It had to. It's all all great things come to an end. Are we ready to go? So it is with the great career of Alejandro. Let's throw it to... um, Alejandro Villanueva, the great Alejandro Villanueva. Thank you for a, a great career.